Hey, welcome to the 201st episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony, and this is the podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big shout out, big thanks to Dave McPhail and Andrew Look, and they are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. And if you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from heck which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week we're currently talking about the cg resident evil movies so there's three of them spoilers i talked about two of them the third one i think is this week or something like that so you can listen to that other times i talk about old classic cool comic books or weird comic books and stuff like that but if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gman from heck, and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or three. That is ko-fi.com slash gman from heck. And I just, uh, just to reiterate, I mean, the support is huge. Lots of costs, stupid costs for <laughs> making a podcast and running a website and everything like that. So anything you can do. If, if you're enjoying the show, anything huge immensely will, will help. So so thank you if you, if you can. Uh, this week, there's, I'm, I'm you know, I'm not, really not sure the length of this. I think it might be a little shorter. I think we're moving away from the four-hour episodes for a little bit, which is kind of good for me. <laughs> but we'll, we'll see how, how it goes. Um, the movie is going to be The Forever Purge. So I know I said it was going to be The Tomorrow War. I'm going to talk about both of those. I might talk about Fear Street. 1994 i think that's that, that movie we'll, we'll see how the time goes if I, I squeeze that in but then it's like the tv shows there was no superman and, Lo- and lois this week i thought there was i was all ready to watch it and then i was like wait a minute it's didn't record and i was like this and i caught the end of it during the flash on my dvr and i was like oh so it did not come on but we've got plenty of other stuff to talk about there's a, a bit of news so let's get started uh shang chi Shang-Chi, I, 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 they never say his name in any of the trailers because I, I feel like I'm saying it wrong and I should figure it out like somehow. But anyways, uh, so it appeared in one trailer that he was, that, that not that he was, that someone was fighting the Abomination. So they're like, is that Abomination? He looks a little different. Kevin Feige did uh, confirm, yeah, that's that's the Abomination. That's Tim Roth. Because I think they mentioned that Tim Roth, the Abomination is going to be in the She-Hulk Disney Plus series. But then what I didn't realize, so this might, I don't know if this is a spoiler or not, but who is Abomination fighting in that scene? And I haven't gone back to try to check it out or try to pause it or anything like that. But apparently, so this might be a spoiler, so cover your ears for three seconds. He's fighting Wong. I had no idea he was in there. And, okay, that that's cool. I, I mean, it is cool. It's Because one of the things is I watched the, tra- the trailers. How many have there been now? Two, at least. My my longing is I want a, a Marvel connection. And it doesn't have to be a Force connection. It doesn't have to be like, you know, here comes... I was going to say... First, I was say Captain America. I was like, no. Then I was say Iron Man. No. You know, we don't necessarily need to have... Uh, Spider Spider Man, you you know what I'm saying. We don't just have to have some forced um, crossover. I would love. I think I mentioned it. I would love Iron Fist or Colleen Wing or you know anything like that. Just while you have the Netflix you know shows, but whether those exist or not and stuff like that. So th- this is a, a good good move. And then if there is, I mean, is the Mandarin going to be in here officially? You know, we got the Ten Rings, and that was in. Iron Man 2, 3, 
which Iron Man was anyways yeah if there's a connection that that's that's cool i i i want this to we don't need it i mean the world is a big place but i just feel like if we're in a marvel universe and you have all these powered uh, you know heroes or that there should i don't know we'll, we'll see <laughs> so yeah that that looks like it's it's gonna be cool uh black panther wakanda forever has started filming so that's good to, to know. I'm real curious how they're going to do this. Are you know because they they said they didn't want to have a CG Chadwick Boseman, which is understandable. You know, you, you could still have someone else as Black Panther. Is Black Panther just not even going to appear at all, or will he be like, I'm going over here, or something? I I just wonder how. Yeah, I mean, you can have Black Panther just someone else in a costume. I, I don't. I don't know. I I still feel like they're, they're separate things. You know, it's. I I don't feel like it's wrong to recast. You know, we we recasted War Machine. We recasted. I mean, Hulk's been recast. If if you want to look at thing, because that that's the other thing. If if we have Abomination and that Hulk, that was the Edward Norton Hulk. So we could recast if if we have to. I mean. Look at the Batman movies, but maybe don't look at the Batman movies. I don't, I don't know. Uh, there's going to be a Loki crossover with The Simpsons. So on Disney Plus, there's going to be a, a short, a, a Simpsons short. So that's going to be on July 7th. So that's this week as, as you're listening. So that's cool. Um, let's see what else do we have. Uh, just starting filming also Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom has started filming. Didn't that already start filming? I feel like I, I've been talking about that or I've mentioned it. So we have that coming up. That that's um okay. I'm I'm down with that. I really don't know. I know nothing about this. I don't even know what the movie's going to be about because you know we had the trench movie, but then I think that's been canceled or, or whatever. So I don't know. Uh, while we're talking about DC ish, the Flash. So there is going to be a season eight. We know. Uh, we don't really know who's coming back so much. You know, Grant Gustin is, is like a guarantee, but it was announced that Jesse L. Martin, who plays Joe West, uh, Danielle Panabek Baker, who is uh, Frost and Caitlin, and Candace Patton, <laughs> Iris West, they are, have all signed on for for season eight according to Deadline. So that's good. Um, Joe, you know Jesse Jesse L. Martin. I, re- I really like his character. I mean, I feel like. He's just like the heart of the show. Is he crucial to it, to the Flash? Not necessarily, but I, I like having him around because, uh, you know, he, you know, he is the father figure and, you know, he, he just, he provides a lot. And I, I think it's, it's good for him to, to kind of tie things together and, and, you know, still guiding Barry along as, as he's, you know, trying to figure things out and everything like that. So I'm, I'm glad that he's on there when, when he was, was out because I, I think uh, Jesse L. Martin like strained his back or did something in real life, so he he was out for a few episodes. It just felt like like he was he was missing, like there there was something there. And speaking of missing, <laughs> the, the, I'll, I'll talk about when I get to the Flash. This week's episode it was really blatantly obvious that an actor wasn't there, and it really bothered me. Stupidly bothered me. So you, you something to look forward to. Uh, what else do we have? Um, what is not getting renewed? Oh no, wait, I didn't mention this. Good Omens has been renewed for season two. I d- totally forgot about that. 
And I, I mean, it's been a while. So I'm glad it's coming back because it, it feels like it's been a while. Now that I think about it, it's like, I don't, honestly, I don't know if I ever finished watching it, which I, I'm assuming if I go onto my, my prime account, it'll show me like what the last episode I watched, but I, I enjoyed the book. I loved David Tennant. Uh, you know, I was, I, but there was something about it when I was watching his show. I don't know what it was. So I, I should go back and um, whether I restarted or just see where I picked up. Because maybe, maybe I just had like one episode or two. I don't know. Because there wasn't, weren't that many. But that's coming back. So I'm, I'm glad for that, that, that that's going to happen. What is not coming back is Lovecraft, count, Lovecraft Country, not County. Lovecraft Country. I, I don't know why I can't say that. There's no season two. And I saw a lot of people on Twitter, you know, I always like looking at the Twitter reactions, you know, when things are trending, whatever. A lot of people are like, well, I'm canceling HBO now. Or like, oh, I can't believe this. You know, they have these other shows and they're not bringing this and they're saving their money and they're giving us this blah, blah, blah. Reading the, art, the article, I, I think it was that Variety, I forgot who, who posted, maybe it was Deadline, I don't know. But to me, what it sounded like, they didn't have an idea. They didn't have a strong enough idea for, for season two. The, as you may or may not know, and when I was talking about the first show, the first the first show, the first season, I was comparing it to the book because I was listening to the audio book. And they basically had the book to follow along with for the first season. And when I finished the book and when the season, I was like, how is this going to continue? I wanted to continue. I wanted it to continue. But I was like, where is it going to go next? And that was a big question since they covered the whole book, where do they go from there? They have nothing to really like a leg to stand on or whatever. I don't know if that's like the right expression or analogy I'm looking for. And, you know, it's not like they were, they weren't just taking it word for word. It's not like, we're just going to, you know, act out the book. Cause no, they, they were changing things up and adding things and tweaking things and, and stuff like that, but they were working on it. And it, it's been a while. I think that they've been working on it. I don't know if it's since the show ended or, or like, I remember earlier this year, there the, the show or, or whatever was, we're talking about it. And maybe it's just like, they didn't have a strong enough idea. And if that's the case, I don't want it to come back with, with crappy story. Cause I mean, it was such a good strong season that I don't want it to come back just because I love the characters and the actors and everything like that. And then we just get garbage and it's just like, what is this? You know, you, you they always say, you know, get, leave when you're on top. Or whatever you know, and just because it's not doesn't happen now, maybe maybe something happens. They're like, "Holy crap, we could do this! Can we get everyone together?" And it might take a little finagling, and maybe they have to wait a little bit until people are done with their other projects or whatever. And and it could be potentially other people could sign on to other shows or whatever. But maybe you know, in in a couple years or something like that, maybe it will come back. I mean, I wouldn't, you know, I don't think just because it's not coming back now has been renewed doesn't mean it's forever. There's been gaps in renewals, right? I, I can't think of anything, but we'll have to see. So it sucks, but like I said, if if they don't have an idea, I don't blame them. I don't I don't think they're they're saying, oh, we don't want to do this, even though everyone loved the show and it got such great reviews and so. So just relax, people. Or it's like, are you really canceling HBO? So yeah, you've been subscribing all this time, even though the show's been over since what end of last year, whatever it was, and you're just like renewed and not watching anything in your way. It's like you're not going to cancel the show just because it's and whatever. It's it's canceled for a reason, not for a good reason. If that's the reason, I'm assuming. 
again, I, I shouldn't be trying to defend people, whatever, but there you go. Uh, Sophia Hasmic, I think that's her name. Um, she plays Christy Beppo in uh, Superman and Lois. She's like the, the one that runs the newspaper, Lois's boss there. She's been promoted to a regular, to series regular for season two. So that that's congrats to her. That That's good. There was a new He-Man uh, Masters Universe Revelation trailer. Um, so we get to see more of the characters and it, it looks good and everything. It, it, some of the animation is a little weird, you know, seeing Prince Adam, not as identical to He-Man, which is good. Uh, but then Cringer's voice, I, I, that didn't quite sound right. We'll see. And I didn't really see Orko. I, I think I caught a glimpse at him. I didn't try like going back and pausing or anything like that, but I didn't really get a, a good look at Orko, um, <laughs> and Eric, I, I have a feeling like some people didn't like Orko, but we'll see. I wasn't the biggest Orko fan, but uh, I was okay with him. Noah Hawley, uh, who's the Legion creator, he's doing an alien TV show, uh, alien series for FX. And he, he said that there's like two scripts written already, and um, they're hoping to make them ne- next spring. But when it, that, that line is like hoping to make them. So are they only making two two scripts? But it's a it's not going to be a Ripley story, which I wouldn't even expect it to to be whatever. And it's supposed to be like hum, you know humanity's just the spotlight. It's supposed to be taking place on Earth or something like that. So we'll, we'll see. I have no I, I have no expectations for it. Hopefully it will be good because you know I don't whatever. We shall see how how that goes. Uh, a Patty Jenkins Star Wars Rogue Squadron. It's uh, going to be an original story, but apparently it's going to honor past stories, like for the novels and the, the video games and stuff like that. Like the, the Michael uh, Stackpole books and the, the video games or think that. It's supposed to be like a blend of, of everything, or the best of everything. So that's, that's good to know. I mean, obviously they're not, they can't go by the books, and I have a feeling like they don't want to go by the books. You know, maybe it's a matter of royalties, extra royalties or acknowledging or whatever, but... Uh, it's it's good to know that they're not just going to say yeah let's just forget everything but you know may, if they take some ideas that that's good because I never got super got into the Rogue Squadron books but I've always kind of wanted to and I think then when everything's like oh the books don't matter then it kind of like disillusioned me a little bit and I was just like really bummed but um, it's it's good to know because I, I know there are some some big fans for that so that that is cool uh, Ron Perlman is going to be voicing. Um, Optimus Primal in the Transformers uh, Rise of the Beast. Is that what it's called? Um, I don't know much about the Beast, Beast Wars or anything like that. Because I think Optimus Primal was a gorilla instead of a truck. Okay. Uh, I don't know. It just, yeah, that it, it always, to me, you, at the point when it came out, I was like, this is probably for the little kids or littler kids. <laughs> I guess I'm still a kid, but yeah, so I, I don't know much about, about that. Um, comic book news. Uh, there was some, some more, some couple pages from the Spider-Man stuff coming out. Um, I, I'm, I'm just very, very worried about the whole Ben Riley stuff. So I, my hopes are, I, I don't want to get my hopes up at all. Um, I, I still feel he got a, a raw deal. So we'll see what happens. Because uh, I think it was Games Radar put out a, an article like they're even questioning like which Ben Riley is this. You know, is it a multiverse Riley from the Spider Verse, uh, whatever series, or is it the actual Ben Riley? I don't even know. 
Who is Ben Riley? I still I st- still say that my Ben Riley is locked away in a dungeon from Jerky Norman Osborn. This other guy, I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Marvel is doing a Phoenix Song Echo comic coming out in October. <laughs> it's like, um, I didn't ask for this, but whatever, it's not for me. I, it, it's good to know it because I I don't know how he feels. Spoiler: it, It's been a, a little a few months now. So Echo's apparently the new Phoenix. She hasn't really been able to do much because this Heroes Reborn stuff hasn't been going on. She did a little bit towards the end. Uh, but if we're gonna have Echo as a Phoenix, you might as, you got what the, there's got to be a reason for this. Why do this big Avengers story arc if you're not gonna do it? And and maybe they don't want to do it in the pages of I just I I don't know. I always feel like. Phoenix should be a telepath. It should be a redheaded telepath. Uh, just some other random person. Like when Wolverine was a Phoenix and from the future, like what the heck? I don't know. But I'm curious to see. Whatever. We'll, we'll see what Echo has to offer, how, how this, this series will go. But uh, I don't know. And uh, then it looks like the last bit of news. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. There's another thing I want to talk about. Boba, Lego Boba Fett. There's a big debate whether Disney is trying to erase or whatever the name of Boba Fett's ship. So Boba Fett, Jango Fett's ship, Slave One. There's a new Lego set coming out. And there's like other merchandise. It's not just a Lego set that says Boba Fett's Starship. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are like, you know, they're upset. You know, so here's the thing. Slave One I, what, whatever that's the name of the ship there's a reason that Django Fett call it that you know and it's not in support of slavery or or anything like that so it's the name of the ship and that, that's what it is it, it'd be like I know some people are like like oh people are getting upset over the name of a toy you know and it was mentioned in the Clone Wars which is canon in the, that Clone Wars series so We'll see what happens in a book of Boba Fett if if there's or maybe they, maybe just never calls it anything. But it's just like what if they change or stop calling it the Millennium Falcon when maybe that's different. And and yeah, it doesn't. Slavery is not a good word. Um, but also it appears that Cara Dune is not completely gone because there's a Lego set coming out. They're, they're doing Moff Gideon's Light Cruiser, which is another original, innovative name. And apparently she's going to be a figure. But I guess the difference is with like Lego, you don't have character likeness. So it's not like a huge deal because we don't have to have what's her bucket name. So um, there you go. And then uh, the the last bit of news. So uh, once upon a time in Hollywood. So I, I really I really enjoyed the movie. I saw it three times in a the theater. Saw it by myself. And I, my, I was like, my daughter's gonna love this. Took her, and then she wanted to take her mom. So we so I saw it three times. I've watched it at least twice digitally. Um, whatever. So I really enjoyed the movie. I, I think you know Leonardo DiCaprio, um, Brad Pitt. They were awesome. I, you know everyone was was really good at getting there. And um, the novel Quentin Tarantino that Quentin Tarantino wrote a novel for it. And I'm like, okay, I really like the movie. I guess I'll get the book. But the book is nothing. I I thought it was just gonna be like a regular movie adaptation. It is not. It is so different. It's not just taking a script and then adding in a couple words or anything like that. It is totally different. Not totally different. But there are some other things. Like uh, one thing, it's not a spoiler. It starts off. You know, the movie starts off with. The, the scene on you know on the, on the show we get the interview stuff whatever with uh 
Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt with their character Rick Dalton and and um, whatever. In uh, the book, it starts off with uh, when when Rick meets Al Pacino's character, but instead of meeting him at a restaurant, they meet at his his office because you know he's this big time agent and everything like that. So it's weird there. And then like a hundred pages into it, I'm not I don't want to spoil anything, but they kind of they kind of talk about the end of the movie, which is like. Are you gonna still gonna address the end of it at the end of the book? Because it seems weird, and we also get some little tidbits about what happens after the fact, after the end of the movie, which is cool and weird. And we also get some background information. Other like, you know, where did Brandy the dog come from? You know, where, where did Cliff get Brandy? And uh, I th- thought it was interesting. So there, there is a lot of extra stuff. It might be like too much extra information. But it's it's cool to read, and um, I haven't re- read as much in the last couple days. But when um, when I first started reading it, I read like a hundred pages first day. Boom, you know that's like like a I think it's like four hundred pages, so it's like a quarter of the book. Uh, so I'm I'm really really digging it and, and all that. So I, I recommend it. But the reason I bring this up in the news, there's there's been talk about Bruce Lee's portrayal. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hearing a couple, you know, different things about that. And, you know, Bruce Lee's daughter is complaining that, you know, Quentin Tarantino is wrong, that, he, you know, he's a jerk. He's just a white guy talking about her dad and everything like that. I don't know what the deal is. I, you know, I, I'm not like the biggest Quentin Tarantino, you know, super fan or anything like that. I like his movies. I'm not, you know, I don't, I don't go like overboard and everything like that. I still haven't, there's, I still haven't seen uh, Django unchained um so i haven't seen all his movies have you seen the other ones maybe so th- there's the thing i, I can't even tell you if I, what other movies i i've seen so i i enjoy his stuff but i'm not like uber fan so i you know i'm, I'm not gonna necessarily support him or not you know is is he does he have a problem with bruce lee is he have a problem with with asians you know there's just this whole debate coming out and like one of the things he said he's like as as far as as his he's like that that's uh Bruce Lee's daughter. He's like okay, I get it. You know, of course she's gonna defend her dad and everything like that. But he's like all the other critics can go suck a team, <laughs> which I thought is like typical Quentin Tarantino just just to say that. And you know some of the things that he he was saying that Bruce Lee was difficult to work with. Uh, that you know he he tended to I forgot the word that they used it, but he tended to like kind of kick the stuntmen, the other people, you know, and whether it was an accident or not. And, you know, people were, were getting upset by that. And some people like refused to work with them because they kept getting kicked and hit and stuff like that. So I don't know what, what the deal is. Um, was he, ar- I mean, the dude was, was amazing. You know, he could do stuff. Was he arrogant? I don't know if he was arrogant. He kind of has the, the right to be arrogant with some of the, the amazing things he could do. I, I just don't know. But now that's coming out again, and uh, I just want everyone to get along. So I don't, I don't know. But but the book is interesting, and and now it's like, okay, is Quentin Tarantino wrong? And then I'm I'm enjoying the book. I don't want to support something that's wrong, but I don't know. So I guess make your own decisions. But that is going to be the news for the week. As far as comic books at Image, we had crossover number seven. So this was an interesting issue. This was a good issue, but what what's, it makes it interesting is it wasn't written by uh, Donny Cates. It was written by Chip Zdarsky, and the art was by Phil Hester. 
so essentially it, it is a filler issue but it's a really good filler issue and i saw like one person some i think it was like just some random person tweeted like oh this is like one of the best issues a crossover or whatever and donny kate's like quote tweeted and he's like ugh because you know he doesn't want to admit that it's better than what what he was doing um what i'm not saying it is better but it's just it was good it's it was very um it's, it's meta which a lot of this is but but chip Zdarsky was is actually in the book because he has written himself you know he was in howard the duck and then him and matt fraction were in sex criminals and you know they mentioned that in, in the issue so the idea of crossover is you know you have comic book characters who have come to life and you know there's all this stuff going on so comic book chip sardarsky is out and he's a little concerned he's like you know what what does this mean and everything so it was just it was kind of kind of I, I i enjoyed that one of the things i maybe i'm like the last person on on the planet that knew this i didn't realize that chip sardarsky wasn't his real name and again, I I feel kind of silly. Like I feel like this is not a secret at all. But it was mentioned in the comic. I'm like, really? And then I I looked on Wikipedia, and it right away is like, yep, that's his writing. And I was like, okay, I'm a I'm a dope, whatever. <laughs> but it was it was a good issue. So um, I, I recommend it. Even if you haven't been reading the, the series, you can check that out. Then maybe you're gonna want to go back and you know read the the first six issues to see you know what is going on in this world. Department of Truth, issue 10. So this uh, is a new story arc. And uh, what's cool about this is it's kind of focusing a little bit on like Bigfoot. You know, so this, this comic, this comic is just so, I feel like there's so much going on here. And, and a part, part of me always wonders like, what the heck is James Tynan IV doing? You know, he's getting all this information. It's kind of scary in a way. He's like, is this true? Is he like researching or have some source and he's putting these little tidbits and so we'll have to see uh what's going on with this but um i i'm i'm in i'm I'm enjoying this series and it's just it is so bizarre I, i can't even describe um how it is but it's it's definitely something that you should be reading um that texas blood that's a series that i i missed an issue i don't remember which one it was but issue seven came out so um if you're reading that, how is it? <laughs> you know, let, let me know. Um, at IDW, I, I didn't read anything. There's nothing out there. And then I don't think I read anything at Boom. Buffy the Vampire Slayer Tea Time issue one came out. I don't know what that was. And we only find them when they're dead. Issue seven. I'm curious about that. Has anyone read that? Should I be reading that? Uh, but what is this Tea Time? I don't know why I'm clicking on this. Uh, so this issue, Sunnydale's foremost occult expert, high school librarian, mentor, and father figure, but Buffy and the Scooby Gang are totally unprepared for Guile's a vampire. Hmm. So I guess uh, that's happening in this reboot world. So we have all that. Okay. Okay. At DC now, unfortunately, the DC app is going away. Um, that's how I read my comics. I love reading on the DC. I love reading the DC comics on the DC app, the Marvel comics on the Marvel app, and so forth. Because uh, like on Comicsology, it's like some when you go to like DC and you look at like recent releases, it's just like it's like all recent releases. What I like about like on a DC app, you go recent releases, it goes by specific dates. So it's easier for me when I go back because, you know, there's so many other comics that are released. They're not new issues, but they're new releases because, like, you know, we have Batman, White Knight Presents, Harley Quinn, you know, the trade paper and so forth. So I'm, I'm not happy, whatever. 
that's fine. You know, they, they made something something that they don't want to deal with. So you can still get it, read them digitally in Comixology, but it's kind of a bummer. So there wasn't a lot from DC this week. There's a Catwoman 2021 annual. And I'm not like loving the, the Catwoman series so much um, recently. But what, what we do find out, so this Father, Father Valley, was that his name? I don't know why I totally missed it. That was his name. But uh, we find out about him. And he's connected to the Order of Saint Dumas, with the which is where Azrael came from. So um, that was I actually I actually read the whole issue because you know a lot of times I'll I'll start reading it and then I'm like okay and then I just end up skimming through to the rest of the, the the issue. But I actually um, read that I think I read read the whole issue. But yeah, I, it was interesting to, to see the, the connection with this guy. I still don't really care for the character, but it was interesting to see his connection to Azrael. I don't want to say anything more than that. Um, John Paul, I mean, obviously there's the name Valley. He's not necessarily related to John Paul Valley, but there's a connection. So that's all I'll say about that. Um, Green Arrow 80th anniversary. Um, you know, now I'm wondering if I finished reading this, I, I started it, but this is one of those like close to hundred page books. There's a lot of cool. So some classic stuff. I know I read a, a majority of this, there, there's some some cool series or cool cool series cool stories. So um, if you're a Green Arrow fan, obviously you want to read this. But there's some other cool create creators that are involved here, and um, I so I definitely recommend you checking that out. And then um, there was Space Jam: A New Legacy. I meant to to check this out. I didn't read it yet. And I I, I noticed this one 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 uh, guy. I know he he like he loves. Um, space he's like so excited for space jam i think it's because uh uh lebron james and he he can't wait to see him in there he's um i I don't want to mention his name but he's just like i can't wait to see lebron in space jam so i'm like okay (laughs) and uh yes i didn't read that issue so i should check that out there was a what what heck something else came out i i thought oh there was a teen titans academy see now i'm having trouble with this app there it is teen titans 2021 yearbook teen titans academy 2021 yearbook it was okay uh, there, there are some some important things. I think if if anything, I, it might have been the last story that's talking about Red X. Like, who the heck is this Red X? And you know, I know I've, I've talked about it before, where I enjoy a, a good mystery, but part of me is like, okay, just let's be done with it. Who who the heck is this character? You know, who is he really? But then also, it's like once you find out, it's like, oh, okay, then you you kind of get bored with that. We'll we'll see, but um. There were some some of the stories were okay. They were they were fine. I I think my problem is I'm not super crazy about the idea of a Teen Titans Academy. It just seems weird, and it seems dangerous. Especially it's the Teen Titans that have a a Titans Tower, you know, building in the shape of a T. Hmm, where could they be? Where should we attack while they're sleeping or while they're at the grocery store? So it just it's it seems kind of kind of weird, but. I, I mean, I, the idea, you know, just like with the X-Men Institute, how what the Xavier School, that, you know, if there are people who have abilities, you know, what do want to try to get them started on the right foot. And, you know, if they have newly formed developing powers, you want to teach them to use it so they're not a, a threat to themselves or others. And also, you don't want anyone, you know, the wrong people to get their hands on these people and then try to steer them down, you know, the wrong paths and, and all that stuff. So... 
there's all that, but it just, I don't know, it just, just kind of, kind of seems, seems weird to me. <laughs> Over at uh, Marvel, cause had, so that was it for DC. I'm pretty sure that was it. There was some um, New Frontier, was Infinite Frontier, whatever. It was, they were like, um, it was almost like a, a continuation of the other book that just came out it was just kind of like chapters on the different characters where it's director bones like finding out all everything about them like their information so there's some interesting stuff there um yeah that's all i guess i I don't want to spoil anything more further than that um at marvel (laughs) we had avengers mech strike I was I I thought the first issue was good, and I've been trying to read this, and just idea of them having these mech suits it makes me laugh, and I feel like you know this is something to make toys for for kids, which I don't have a problem with that, but it's just the idea of like Thanos having his own, and what I I found out that spoiler, this is a Thanos before he's met the Avengers, he's still like a major jerk and everything like that, and they don't really want to work with him, but. Um, but yeah, and you know, they're, they're all fighting against King and everything like that, but it's just, it's just kind of, kind of, I don't know. Um, better Ray Bill issue four. I'm just, I'm not totally digging this, this series either. And, uh, you know, so better Ray Bill, you know, he's stuck in his transformed horse form, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, he, he wants to See, I feel like I missed something. So he's like looking for a new, you know, because Stormbreaker is, is destroyed. So he's trying to get like a new weapon and, you know, he's trying to get a searcher sword or something. But that's like not going to help him transform back. So, like, you know, he's got to wait until Thor gets around to having one made. But yeah, I, I don't know. And, and you know, this one we do get like some flashback scenes, sort of like memories that are, you know, he's thrust into. And it's it's okay, but. I think my problem, where I'm not like a huge Better Ray Bill, Better Ray Thor fan. So I'm just like, okay, I, I'm glad he's getting this, this, a chance in the spotlight, but yeah, so uh, whatever. Um, Black Hat Annual. One of the things that bothered me about this is like beginning, you know, it's, it's talk, because this is one of those infinite um, destinies, whatever. And at the beginning, it's like, are we going to find out about where who's another possessor of the infinite? stones or whatever whatever they're called now infinity stones spoiler no we don't unless i totally missed it i'm like wait what the heck there's there's no one no one got a new stone or anything like that because uh the black hat story she's kind of kidnapped or forced to um go to south korea and work with uh white fox and the tiger division uh, all those those characters See, even like this, I'm looking at, at the synopsis though. And what does this have to do with Infinity Stones? Find out this this tune. I, I maybe I totally missed something. I I must have because I, I don't because then there is also like uh, s- some of the Nick Fury Junior stuff. I mean, I I enjoyed this the story. I, I mean, I I really like Black Cat the way you know you know since Jed McKay's been writing her, I, I think he's doing a great job. But it was just like, wait, where's the Infinity Stone? And I mean, again, maybe I just totally missed it. Black Widow issue eight. I'm just, I, I love Kelly Thompson's Black Widow, and uh, I'm so glad it is beyond just the first story arc. That first story arc was bananas. I, I still, I can't believe what, what she did, and um, I, I love the fact that we're still seeing like repercussions from it. That that Natasha is like deeply affected by what it sucks. I hate that that happened to her, but 
again, it makes for a compelling story. And just the fact that we're seeing that it's not like, because, you know, a lot of times when something traumatic or whatever happens, and then these characters, because they're superheroes or whatever, they just like brush it off. And then within, you know, a few issues, it's just like, what? What are you talking about? I don't remember that. And there's reason, obviously, you know, we're moving on and new readers and, you know, whatever. But I like that there's, there's still some, um, repercussions being being shown with that and i i i love the fact whether it has anything to do with the movie coming out um but i love that yelena is is here as well and i i like the idea of them working together you know whether rather than being you know like enemies or whatever so so i'm, I'm down with with all that cable issue 11 young cable he's just like man this strife dude he's such a jerk and i'm kind of in over my head i i don't know if i can do all this um maybe we need to bring back old cable and they're like well we can't have two but they're like well we should do this and so um it happens I, i'm pretty sure it was in this so i always lose track of when when things happen within all these issues but i'm pretty sure it wasn't this this issue so um what does that mean for young cable you have to wait and see uh, Daredevil issue thirty one. So um, I, this has been, you know, speaking of Chip Zdarsky, this has been been great, and I, I'm I'm really digging this. So Matt Murdock is Daredevil still in jail, and you know, because he he wants to serve his time and everything like that, and Elektra is still you know trying to protect Hell's Kitchen and everything like that. So it's just I don't know what it is, but this has just been a, a great series. So you know we're at issue thirty one, and it just feels like it's been flying by, and I'm absolutely loving it. So if if you haven't been reading Daredevil lately, track down you know, this whole volume. This is this has been good, and I know you're like, oh crap, thirty one issues. That's a lot. I, I you're gonna appreciate it. You're gonna enjoy it. So lucky you that you know you can devour these books and you know just just pick them up when you can and you know get the trades and and you know you'll you'll be thankful or you'll be happy that Eternals issue five. I I still I'm trying to get into the Eternals. You know, Kieran Gillen. I think he's doing a good job with this because you know I have no attachment to the Eternals, but and you know he's keeping my interest, but to a, to an extent. You know, I'm I'm still not super crazy about the Eternals. You know, I I can appreciate them, and that's just that's my fault. Uh, but I am curious as, as to what's going on and you know where this is going to go. You know, because uh, Eternals can be brought back to life, but you know the basically the one Eternal that kind of does it was killed. So it's just like someone's betraying them, and at something happens at the beginning. I'm like, holy crap, is this a character that's a traitor? Which as you know, what I my Eternals um, knowledge isn't very vast. So if it's oh, it's obviously it's it's one of the the very 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 few Eternals that I actually know of that they're like this is a traitor and it's like wait is it or is it not? There's that. <laughs> and, and if you are a big Eternals fan and you're like man you're an idiot that you, you're talking, I, I apologize, but I, I'm I'm like I said I'm I'm curious. So we'll see what happens when the movie comes out. Uh, uh, Giant Size Amazing Spider-Man Chameleon Conspiracy Issue 1. Um, this was fine. It sees, I think this is kind of... Yeah, this is the epic conclusion. So if you've been reading Chameleon... I kind of don't like that, that if you've been reading it, you have to get this other book to get the conclusion of the story, even though it's been going in a regular issue, a regular series. But you know, we do find out more... The only problem is we're kind of left with like there's a two two areas are kind of left hanging that are like okay 
is this or is this not what, what what's the deal here and one that i will say is is like what is the deal with ned lease i still don't 100 percent trust or believe that he's really back that he's still alive the reason that they gave for him being alive that makes total sense you know comic book resurrection i buy it i i i can accept that i just don't know if i trust him and there is one scene at the end like the last scene he kind of almost has like this little smirk on his face and maybe i'm reading the wrong thing you're reading too much into it but it just kind of makes me feel like is this something else if he wasn't real, you would think, you know, Spider-Man Spider-Sense would go off. But I don't know. I mean, again, maybe I'm just reading too much into it. The other thing that leaves you hanging is uh, something, the stuff that goes on with Teresa Parker, which I really like the character. Uh, I, I like the idea of Spider-Man having a sister, even though, you know, maybe that's wrong. But I don't care because I, I, I think it's cool. But uh, she's kind of faced with um sort of, sort of revelation, whether it's true or not. And then there's like well, just one image. It's like, wait, is this real or is this not real? So that that's a little concerning, um, especially if it's real. I don't like it. If it's, but yeah. So um, you for that you you'd want to read it. Um, Modoc Head Games, the trade came came out. So I I enjoyed that series. So I would recommend you um, picking that up if if you haven't read it already. Shang Chi issue two. So Shang Chi is, you know, he, he's taken over. I, I feel like there might be some connections with this in the movie, from what I've seen in the trailer. But you know, his father had this big um, evil organization or whatever. So Shang Chi is trying to take it over and try to slowly steer it into, you know, the right direction. Um, but you know, it's not necessarily going to be easy. So he gets access to this like evil auction where there's like Aim and Hydra and all these other bad people and. Uh, there's a cosmic cube for sale, so he needs to try to try to buy it. He gets outbid and everything like that. So it's like, oh crap! You know, how is he gonna get it and everything like that? And Captain America comes into the mix, and um, they end up fighting, sort of. And so I I I didn't enjoy that. Star Wars High Republic. This is when I'm slowly, you know, coming around with these characters. I still, I don't think I can necessarily tell you the name of any of the characters, even though we're at issue six. But as you know, I'm like really bad with uh, names when it comes to like new characters and stuff like that. So the, the hard part for this is that, you know, these are my, my Star Wars dilemma thing. When it's characters that we don't know, it's hard for me to, to, to care. So I'm trying with this, you know, I am curious, you know, and I, I mentioned, I listened to a couple of the audio books. Uh, so it's just like trying to, f I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued, but I'm not like completely blown away and I'm waiting for something to kind of cook me in there. So I'm, I'm still, you know, checking it out and um, seeing what, what's going on, but we'll, we'll see. I mean, maybe to the next issue we'll, we'll pick things up. United States of Captain America, eh, it was okay. Uh, so we do see this one new Captain America, and it looks like someone is targeting them. So it turns out that there's people who are like inspired by Captain America, so they're just don donning the colors and uh, trying to do the right things and everything like that, and that could be a problem for them if, if someone goes after them. There is a, a like a little similarity to the the, the Disney Plus series where. 
you know, they they wanted to put Captain America's shield on display in a museum. It's like, what? He's actually using it, which is, it's like, yeah, just here, go ahead, take this. I won't use it, you know, to do my job saving the world. And then, but anyway, someone ends up stealing it, not while it's on display. They steal it when Steve's in his apartment. So he steal it from him. So the whole museum thing didn't even matter. You know, I guess I don't even know why it's mentioned. I don't know why I mentioned it, but you know, he's trying to figure out who stole his shield, and it's obviously someone that has powers and some abilities. And so Sam Wilson comes to help Steve and everything like that, and and then uh, they're going to go on a road trip. So, um, so like I said, you know, it, it's okay. I, I'm I'm curious, and uh, I'll I'll definitely read the next issue. But there's that. X Factor issue ten. So there's gonna be some spoilers for this. Um, I didn't mention this in the news. I, I kind of wanted to save it for here, in case you. This is gonna be the last comic, so you have a choice whether you know the the, the tune off at the end. So a lot of this issue is you know wrapping up the the Hellfire Gala, and uh, Prodigy. He kind of goes off on a bit because he gets some information. He's been researching his death. How did he die? You know, how would, did someone kill him? What what's going on? So he finally finds out, and it's like, okay, well, what is he going to do with this information, and everything like that? I boy ends up kind of following him and, and helping him a little bit. So all that's wrapped up. That's not the the big spoiler part. The spoiler part is, at the end, they come across a dead body, and uh, which is going to lead into the trial of, of Magneto. And I believe, I think. Last week, I might have said something like, oh, it better not be this, whatever. And it turns out it is. So that's that's your spoiler. They find, spoiler, Wanda's body. And then Wolverine's like, where's Magneto? So he says that. I mean, are they automatically assuming that he killed her? I mean, yeah, yeah, he was the last one with her. But if you go back, and I wrote, I, I posted about this on, on entertainmentfish.com. I even showed the panel um, the, from the, the last issue. I forget. I think it was a sword issue that came out the week before. They had a touching, you know, they, they resolved some things and everything. It was a very, very, very sweet book uh, or issue. I'm glad it happened with, you know, I even referenced a 2014, I think, um, story that I wrote about when they went their separate ways or whatever. And I'm trying to avoid spoilers now in case someone, you know, whatever, doesn't want to hear about it. Uh, anyways, so I don't know if Wolverine's like, okay, we where's Magneto so we can tell him before he hears from someone else? Or it's like, oh, he did it, so let's go get him and throw him to the dungeons or whatever. So... It just seems to, like where's where what kind of trial is this you know if it's just gonna be like oh you were the you were seen with this person so you automatically did it that just seems silly there's got to be some sort of other proof and and that the fact is there's so many mutants that would want to kill this person in question so we'll have to see uh, but yeah I mean the unfortunate thing is this was apparently spoiled before. The comic went on sale because people like to do that. Uh, luckily, I read it before, so uh, th- thanks to Marvel, uh, I read it officially. Uh, but I would never spoil something like that, and and it's just. And then the day it came out, Marvel's like, "Hey, here's a cover of Trial Magneto number one, or there's a, the dead person." So. It spoils if you if you don't know who I'm talking about. If you manage to, even though I said it. 
and then maybe you skipped over that part. If you still don't know, I I applaud you because it's yeah you can't you can't avoid spoilers these days. It's, it's so hard. But that is going to be the news for the week. All right, Rick and Morty season five episode two, Morty Plicity. This <laughs> this episode was. Uh, it was a little stressful. It was pretty, pretty bonkers. And I, I know I, I probably said that last week too. Man, it's just, it's just crazy. Just uh, the things happen. Okay, so I enjoyed it. I really liked it. It's one of my, my. I, I think I don't know. I don't know if it'd be one of my favorite episodes. And what doesn't even make sense since it has. Anyways, let's just get to it. Cause sh- just shut up. So <laughs> at the dinner table, Rick and Morty are like scarfing down their food. And Beth's like, oh, someone's hungry. And then Morty's like, oh, you know, we're going to go kill God. And Rick says, the Christian God is real. He's been asleep for thousands of years. So we're just going to sneak up there and kill him. Then Summer, <laughs> Summer's like, can I kill God? And they're like, as if. And Jerry's like, starts protesting about what they should do, whatever. But then Beth tells him not to get worked up before his job interview. And Rick's like, job interview? And Jerry's like, yeah, is that so hard to believe? Then Rick's like, yeah. He's like, something's off. And then there's an explosion in the ceiling. He's like, like armed aliens come through and start like shooting everyone in the head. And they're all, de- they're like liner. We get this like overhead shot. They're all dead with like holes in their head, blood everywhere. Then we see they're back in the house. They're chasing after some little, little guy in this like outfit with like a target on him. I guess he's Mr. Always wants to be hunted. He's like, hunt me. And Rick's like, don't hunt him to completion, whatever. Then he's like, wait, something's wrong. He's like, someone just killed a decoy family. So the first one was a decoy family that was killed. So now they're driving in a car. Morty's upset. He's like, you made clones of us? And he's like, they're not. They're not clones or decoys. There's a big difference. And, and he's like, well, what's the difference? And for some reason, he pinches Morty, which I'm not really sure why he pinched him. He's like, you know, after the thing with with space, Beth, there's always people who want a piece of this, whatever. So he made decoys and put them around the country to act as a buffer zone. And then Jerry interrupts. He's still like back with what they're doing before. He's like, why does he always want to be hunted? Rick tells him, he's like, come on, Jerry. He's like, we've moved on to bigger stakes, whatever. He's like, well, I don't see any bigger stakes. And then an alien ship comes down, shoots a car and melts them. So they're now they're dead. But they're not. Because <laughs> then we see the family sitting by a pool, like some European paradise, whatever. You know, you see like whatever mountains up this. Rick's alerted. He's like, ah, oh. he's like, you know, someone killed a decoy family. So they're, they're starting to pack up the villa. And, you know, he, he tells them decoy families was killed. And Morty's like, is this why you want to go on vacation? And Summer's like, is someone out there trying to kill us? And Rick's like, there's always someone trying to kill us. He's like, that's what the decoy family's for. Then a space bomb is thrown through the window. They're all vaporized, <laughs> except for Jerry. Jerry's like, there's half of, he's like half vaporized and he's like screaming, you know, he's like missing an arm and an alien comes in and shoots him in the head. So <laughs> then we see, okay, now is this, okay, we see Rick sitting in a living room couch. He's, his like watch goes off. He's like, oh, the decoy family's killed. So he hits a button. The house is sealed from the outside, like, like all this stuff on there. And Morty's like, he's like, what's a decoy family? So they're about to watch a show called When Wolf. It's about a time traveling wolf, <laughs> and and Morty's like, oh, I never really thought of the where, like who, what, when, where. He's like, that's pretty clever wordplay. <laughs> so the, the in the show, the werewolf goes back in time. He finds Dracula like in a prehistoric outfit. He's like, oh no, he's like, I'm I'm out of this game. But then a laser shoots them both in the head, and then the house blows up. I guess they weren't real either. So then we see him. 
at a dinner table. Rick's about to, he's like, oh, so what really happened to Beth's mom? But then he gets an alert that squid people killed the decoy family. So again, uh, you know, he goes through all, all the stuff. So it's like, okay, is it repeating? Is this the real one? But then Summer asks, she's like, do the decoys know they're decoys? And Rick's like, they wouldn't be very good de- decoys if they knew that. And then she asks, she's like, well, how do we know we're not decoys? Then Rick realizes that he's like, oh my gosh, she's like, I might be a decoy. And he's like, he's like, starts flipping out, whatever. Then he's like, there's a final secret fail safe that, you know, so I always know if I'm the real one. He drops his pants and he spreads his butt cheeks to Morty. He's like, look inside. It's like, there's a barcode, should be on the inside left butt cheek. He's like, oh, I don't want to look. Come on. And Summer's like, just do it. And then some Morty looks and Rick farts. <laughs> And he tells Summer, he's like, he's like, we're not decoys. He's like, decoys don't build decoys. He's like, also, if you think that the idea that I would be a decoy to break me, he's like, it's not like I'm your mom. And she's like, bleep you or whatever. So then he he realizes, you know, if someone's killing the decoys, they need to, you know, get these alien squids or whatever. So he's like, we're going to go hide with the decoy family. When the squids come, we'll jump their asses. So they all get in the ship. They They fly to another house. The Rick inside that pulls a gun. He's like, I think you have the wrong family, bro. Rick spouts off a passcode and they all freeze. So then Morty goes up to his. I was like, dang, he's like Westworld. And Rick's like, yeah, it's just like Westworld. And then Morty, he's concerned. He's like, did you make the house exactly, exactly, you know, whatever? He's like, yeah, he, I know about your your Yosemite shirt, and which I won't get into that. So then uh, then later Morty was like looking down like in, underneath the basement, like in a the hatch or whatever. He's like, did you use this house to make decoys too? He's like, what? Why would I do that? Because then you see there's like a lab down there and there's like a big screen, whatever. It's this decoy program and there's like robot parts all over. Then Rick's like, okay, I'm less worried about the squids now. So they get in the car. Beth says, he's like, she's like, I thought you said decoys don't make decoys. And he's like, usually they don't, you know, it's harmless, but you know, we'll just have to visit the rest and terminate the program. And she's like, what? She's kind of like against killing the decoys, even though they're decoys. So they approach another house, but they, they see Jerry mowing the lawn and Rick gets a gun ready. Beth's like, I thought they were harmless. He's like, yeah, but I don't remember making this one. So Rick and his family get out and he's like, oh, hey, family. He's like, when did you leave? Or he's like, hey, me. <laughs> so Rick tries um, analysis mode. He's, you know, reads off some numbers, but nothing happens. So he, it's, he didn't make, if this is a decoy, he didn't make it. So maybe this is the real one. Inside, I think you have the wrong house, bro. Rick tries a passcode thing, but it interrupts him. He's like, you think I'm a decoy? Then Rick's like, how do you know about the decoy program? And the other one's like, because it was my idea. But then they, the two of them here rick outside there's another rick he says like this other passcode so the rick inside freezes so the rick that just came <laughs> this is gonna get a little confusing he tells them to hide so rick morty and beth hide in the closet um summer like wrote somehow goes under the couch and i, I forget where, where jerry went but then uh so they they go in there and the other ones, they almost have the same conversation because <laughs> like Rick's or Morty's like, oh, it's like like ex machina. And Rick's like, yeah, but don't try to have sex with it. And then uh, the Rick um, isolates the frozen one again because because uh, Morty's like, did you use this house to make decoys, too? So then Rick isolates it, frees it. And then he's he's like, how did you know about this or, or about the decoys? And he's like, it's because, again, it was my idea. Then he's like, hey, wait, where'd the other one go? So then this new Rick knows that the others are there. He's like, find them, you know, search your closets and everything. So he finds Rick Mort- Morty and, and Beth in a the closet. They start shooting at each other. It's like, they've gone rogue. And then Beth tries uh, telling the others to stop and let's talk it over. 
the other one's saying the same thing and everything like that. So the Ricks, both Ricks are just like, whatever. It's like, we just need to charge them. So they both start charging each other, but then they all melt in a big ball of flame. So then we see another Rick and his family outside and he's got like this big thing. And he, he's like, before he says the, the bath, he's like, before you say anything, they're already, you know, killing each other. So Rick tries explaining that when the squids attack, the decoys find out uh, he's like, it's the Asimov cascade or something like that. He's like, when the decoys found out about the decoys, it, you know, and they, they were making their own decoy. So then it just, it was like a chain reaction. So then they started killing each other. He's like, it's basically the high, Highlander rule now. And they're like, no one said, they don't know what he's talking about. He's like, really no one he's like 1986 he's like there can be only one he's like we have to rent it after this he's like connery plays a spaniard knows and does nothing about his accent <laughs> which is true he's like he's the spaniard but he has a, a scottish accent morty suggests that they just kill the squids because since they started this but rick says he just wants to kill all decoys and you know beth is against that idea because he's like you know who knows how many there are you know things can get weird down the line he's like you ever try making a copy of a copy but Beth is like really, you know, against you know killing the decoys. So they just they're now they're wearing like squid costumes with like a, a fake squid on the ship. And Summer's like, this costume smells like ass. And he's like, shut up, Summer. So they they come up to a like a real squid ship. They shoot it down, and they're you know because they're like, why do they hate you? And he's like, who knows? And it could be any number of things. And whatever. Uh, he says a couple things twice. But they go to check out um, to find like any weaknesses or anything like that. They like pry off the helmet, and it's them. So the family is posing as these squids. So then they're like this Jerry squid, like he's like all like battered up. He tries like crawling out of the wreckage, a bomb rolls out and Rick's like, Oh, it's probably for the best. They're, they're gone. Vaporized. So then we see Rick in the garage experimenting a little thing. Uh, and then, uh, he gets blown up by an alien ship. And then there's like family driving by, like shooting them. There's more decoys realizing they're decoys. And it's just, it just keeps going. It's like, you're just like so many. So then finally you see the family running through like these creepy woods. He's like, it's, it's quiet. It's you know too quiet, whatever. So then they get, um, Rick gets hit by, by a dart and like passes out. And then the, the rest of them too. So now they're all like strapped to, to like things. There's like these, uh, creepy deformed decoys. So these must be like the copies of the copies. And the, the one he's like all like, just like almost like a scarecrow practically. He's like, he's like, I knew it was fake from the beginning. He's like, you know, Rick's just are getting lazy, whatever. So they have the Rick and his like skin is like being peeled off. It's like just like stretched out, whatever. So he, he's just in muscles and, Ugh. so basically what they're going to try to do is skin the rick because he has his family too i guess he's planning on taking their skins to put on his family because you know the rick protects his family or whatever so um but then a wooden puppet decoy comes in and helps the the flesh ones they take them out whatever so they're brought to this place they're like welcome to the cause whatever so the uh, uh beth's the beth puppet starts talking to him all there's like all these rick and morty's and families or whatever there and you know she's like talking about you know what all this stuff and you know they're done being decoys and whatever one jerry is like what about the squids and then a bunch of them are like there were no squids they're just decoys who realized they were decoys and so uh but then we see the a family standing offshore on a beach looking at this beautiful sunset and, you know, they're like, you know, how, they're wondering how long can they stay there? You know, how long till decoys find them? And Rick's like, you know, any place we think to hide, the others will think to look. So then Summer's like, ah, she's like, peeing in the ocean was my bucket list. What's next? 
And Jerry, he's like, I want to go to a baseball game in every, you know, major league baseball game in every stadium. And Rick's like, too bad. He's like, then he's like, Morty. And Morty's like, I'd like to ask out a, a girl at my New Mexico school. Because it's like, they, they mentioned, like, uh, Summer mentioned Colorado. And, uh, you know, one decoy mentioned that. So, you know, they must have, like, a, a Rick in every state. I don't know. But then uh, they all get zapped by a, a family in an alien ship. So then... Um, there's another one. He he, Rick puts this big like holo message thing. He calls out to all all the you know you can see it where like the president even sees it. So all these um, Ricks and decoys you know they they start going towards this house. Big battle and everything like that. Then we see like this uh, Muppet, uh, Rick and and Beth. They're like in this like you know camouflage tent looking at at all the destruction. And he's like you know it's a good thing that one did you know put out that call because you know this would take forever. So then uh, this Muppet Rick apologizes to Beth, you know, for everything. You know, he says, like, I may not be the real one, but, you know, at least, you know, this is, you know, I can say I'm sorry and, you know, everything like that. They're like, are we, maybe we're the real one or something like that? Turns out they're wearing costumes. And, you know, because Rick says something about, you know, being uh, decoys that are too cute to kill, you know, whatever. So they all take out their costumes and Summer's like, good, because this costume smells like ass. He's like, bleep you, Summer. <laughs> so there's more fighting. And then, uh, so the ones that came all survived and then because whatever so now like i said it's confusing so then but then they start getting shot so it's like wait aren't these the real ones rick just gets that shot in the side and then you hear you should have hunted me it was the the little mister who wants to be hunted whatever and then uh rick's like oh he says something but then he he dies and then the guy's like somebody hunt me so they're all dead that's it they're all gone but then, of course, but then Rick and his family are in space. He's like, oh, that was a pretty cool, you know, road trip adventure, space adventure we had. We even ran into Space Beth or something like that. And then they're like talking. And then Rick's like, oh, he gets an alert. He's like, gosh, shoot. It's like, looks like someone killed a decoy family. And then they're like, decoy family. And it starts up again. So that was it. It's like, I'll, it's just so many. Every time you're like, okay, this is a real one. And then they get killed. So it's like, they're not the real one. Are they the real ones? And then there's more. And anyways, then the mid credit scene, we see puppet Jerry. Cause you know, he had some varnish and he like, he took off when the attack was going on and he's like, I'm sorry. He's like, there's not enough varnish for everyone. And he like left his family. So we see him uh, after he puts the varnish on, he's like floating down the river and everything, but some beavers see him and go after him. He's like, no. And then he kind of comes to, and he's like in pieces. There's like a beaver nest, like in his where his chest was, and but you know his like heads off or whatever like that. And he's like built into a dam. But then years later, the river's gone. It's just like you know all dried out and everything. He's still alive. And in some like futuristic people are like, oh look, it's a relic or something like that. And then there's like space cowboys. They're like aliens, and his head's like on this mirror at a bar and then when he starts talking they, they take him down they start burning it and then he comes to he's being nailed on top of a cross you know someone's being crucified he's like christianity again he's he's like after cowboy <laughs> and like throughout this whole thing you hear like queens like who wants to live forever <laughs> so it was just it was just nuts uh, so i enjoyed it it was just weird and wonky because you never knew you know who's the you're like, you're like okay this ha this has to be the real one and then they get killed so it's like i guess that wasn't and so i hope that made sense because <laughs> it just gets wonky uh i so I, yeah I, I enjoyed that episode so that was uh this week's rick and morty and um 
Yeah, it was good, good stuff. Okay, then DC's Legends of Tomorrow, Season 6, Episode 8, Stressed Western. All right, so Sarah's back, uh, and... Um, it, Ava's like making Sarah like super fancy breakfast, or, and you know they're all kind of helping out. Barad like has some like old salt that they got from whatever somewhere, and put some garnishes, and and uh, Zari makes like a, a passion shake or something like that, whatever. But Ava and Nate are talking about finding the rest of the alien pods, and you know they're they're trying to hook up this device that they got, whatever, to, to find the rest of them, whatever. Uh, then John. Talk to Constantine talks to Gary. He's like, you know, about the fountain of Imperium or something like that. And Gary's like, what? He's like, where'd you hear that? But then he, he he's like, he's like, oh no, I've, I've never heard of that. So obviously he knows something about it. Ava brings Sarah breakfast in bed, and she wants to talk about what happened. She's like, you know, how, how are you doing? But you know, Sarah kind of pushes it off, and she kind of asks, um, like, what they've been doing and how you know, getting gossip or whatever. But then Ava's like, you know, why are we talking about all this when we should just focus on ourselves? And she goes uh, to kiss uh, Sarah, and then. Um, Sarah jumps up. She's like, I'm an alien human hybrid clone. And then uh, she's like, so then, then it cuts the opening intro. She, and so Ava's like, you're an alien human hybrid clone who can regenerate. And then, you know, so talking, Ava's like, well, you know, all that matters is that, you know, you're here with me and, you know, we're together and stuff like that. Gideon calls, they found a pod. And Sarah's like, you know, how can you like not tell the others just yet? You know, so I want to, you know, ease into it or something. So Gideon tells them that, uh, they have to go to 1898. There's an encampment known as Fist City. And of course, which is a ridiculous, Nate knows all about it, you know, because he's supposed to be a historian. So he, okay, he know, you know everything about all the history, I guess. Some just random in, encampment in 1891. So they they arrive, they walk into town dressed as cowboys or whatever. And, um, and as they're going, like, Zari Asperard, if he's, like, flirting with Astra, because, you know, he's saying something, he's like, I'm not flirting, with but she's like, yeah, you are. Uh, and, you know, she's just concerned, because he's her her brother, or whatever. Uh, th- they walk into saloon, the music stops as soon as they walk in. And uh, Spooner's trying to, uh, she's having trouble detecting the aliens, and, you know, they're trying to push it off, because Sarah's nearby, they're like, oh, no, that's just, you know, Gary that you're detecting, or something like that. And, um... Spooner and Astra are bickering because uh, Spooner put tinfoil inside her cowboy hat to block the alien whatever messages probing and stuff like that. So they're, they're kind of like fighting over it. And then uh, Spooner tries grabbing her hat back and then she bumps into this guy sitting at a table and knocks his drink over. And he gets up and he's not happy. You know, this is like your typical like, you know, angry cowboy dude, whatever. So then they're like, oh, you know, let's, it's okay. You know, let's just buy you another one, whatever like that. He's like, I'm not having that, whatever. And then he cheerfully says, like, I should be buying you a drink and stuff like that. They notice on the bar, there's like a swear jar. And, you know, Astra like takes a drink of it and she's like, this is root beer. <laughs> and then uh, the, there's this cowboy dude starts singing a song, you know, while playing the guitar about them. So it's just like, what is going on? On the wave rider, uh, John asks Gary ag- again about the fountain, and and then he finally admits that he had to surrender his power, so you know he doesn't have the magic anymore. And the fountain is his one shot at getting his power back. And Gary, he's like, okay, yeah, I have heard about it. It's like it's a total myth. He's like, you should just give it up. But obviously, he's he's lying. So the legends are talking about the town. You know, something must have changed everything. You know, why all of a sudden, you know, everything's so wholesome. Asta tries gambling with a guy to get some information. She knows he has like a a pouch of gold. So she's wondering like where that came from. And he's like, okay, the game is go fish. And so there's no wagering. 
And he's like, that would be breaking rule number three. And he points out the other rules. So there's a big sign in the bar, sheriff's rules. Number one, no cussing. Two, no fighting. Three, no gambling. Four, no fornicating. Five, no alcohol consumption. Six, no spitting. <laughs> Seven, no cheating. Eight, no yelling. Nine, no gunplay. And ten, no disrespecting others. So then uh, Berard, you know, he wants to go upstairs, check out the card tables, um, I don't know if it's because Astra's up there, and and, and then uh, there's a a woman also up there that you know, I guess in the old days she would have been a prostitute, but she obviously can't be now or something like that. And Zari, you know, says how he keeps going for the bad girls or whatever. So Sarah asked the barkeep if he's noticed anything weird around there lately. He's like, no. He's like, what are you talking about? Whatever. Nate notices a, like a wanted sign for someone named Bass Reeves, and he's like, he was the first black deputy marshal. He's like, he was a hero, not a wanted man. So Nate figures that the alien is somehow changing history. And then this dude, Stapleton, he was an outlaw. So somehow he became the sheriff. So And then Stapleton comes in. He's like, I heard we had some visitors in here. So then that that cowboy, singing cowboy dude sings a song about him or whatever. And so Sarah, and when the song's over, she asks him how he created such a nice slice of heaven. And, and he's like, oh, don't worry about it. And he tells the barkeep to you know give them drink and vittles or whatever so they can be on their way. Then um, they also realize that Spooner and Astra are missing. They went off somewhere. So Astra's trying to f uh, figure out where the gold came from. You know, they're walking out like in a, the woods outside of town or whatever. So Astra wants to fi find out where the, where the gold came from. And, you know, they're outside. And then uh, the ground starts shaking and, and Spooner's head starts hurting. And someone yells, the fight's coming. So then, uh, because they're, they're talking to the dude playing cards and they're trying to figure out. So the, 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 gold, the dude with the gold draws his gun because he's like, you're not taking my gold or whatever. And it's like that. But this big, giant, like alien lizard worm thing buster to ground swallows him. And then like inside the sheriff reminds everyone that this is why they don't fight. So on the wave rider, Sarah asks Gary if he, if he knows of any aliens that live, you know, underground, you know, like the worm thing or whatever. And, you know, so there's supposedly there's like a whistle that controls it or whatever. And Berard noticed that Stapleton used one or something like that. So Nate knows how they can get close to Stapleton to get the whistle because there's a, a square dance that night because there was like a sign for that, too. So then the sheriff um, tells Zari that he's like, oh, you don't seem like the dancing type, you know, as they're dancing. And he's like, I, I told you guys to get. So, you know, she's, I guess, going to try to grab the whistle, whatever. But then he, like, grabs her wrist. And then John comes up, you know, to defend her. And, you know, he he's like, so Sapleton knows they're after the whistle. And then uh, he, so it's like this little confrontation starting up. Then Sarah spits on the ground and challenges him to a duel. And the winner gets the whistle. So he's like, he's all for this. So Astra and is off in the woods looking for gold. Spooner's with her. And you see, like, this masked man is like following them mass he is like wearing like a handkerchief like over like his lower face and it's it's a uh, diggle <laughs> if you you know you clearly it's him how why what so for some reason he's following them and Astra's like you know she says that she doesn't really care about the gold but she wants to show to town that she can get what she wants so it's like just a dumb you know ego excuse i don't even know so the, the singing dudes singing about Sarah or whatever, and, and you know basically you know, there's a line like if if she shoots the worm will eat her. If she doesn't shoot, she'll get shot in the head or something like that. So outside, uh, Sapleton says you know ten paces and then they draw. Uh, Gary starts counting and they like tell him to shut up. But then Sapleton turns around 
early because that's the thing is like no one's counting so it's like you don't know how, how fat well, anyways he shoots her in, in that in that back of the head you know from behind there's a big old hole like clear through her head she falls to her kneel knees but then the hole heals she gets up and and turns around he's like that ain't normal you must be some kind of monster and she's like well you're right in the first part she's like i'm not normal but i'm definitely not a monster it's just then he like takes uh pulls a the whistle you know from around his neck he's like the deal's off he's like you're not getting the whistle but sarah shoots it out of his hands he gets ready to shoot again but then the alien comes for him because he doesn't have the whistle now irma the the kind of prostitute whatever talking to uh berard she has the whistle and, and she's like blowing it so astra and, and spooner they found some gold on the ground and but it turns out it's from a big alien and spooner's like did the gold come out of that aliens and then basically the gold is poop then uh diggle he shows up with he has a big old mustache and he says that he's deputy marshal bass reeves so it's not diggle but it sure does look like him irma says that they're not getting their worm in town and so the whole town has guns on the legends and uh so then Barar's like what's that and they all turn around looking and they run inside the saloon so inside nate's like goes serious like so you're bulletproof now and she's like yeah then he's like welcome to the club and they like high five so she says she's like i was gonna tell you after the mission whatever uh, so the town's waiting outside i don't know why they don't go i guess because they can't, can't attack them what they're waiting outside it's like nighttime now uh john talks to gary again and gary says the aliens have known about the fountain for years and it basically ruins anyone that goes after it. it's it's dangerous especially since he doesn't have magic now he's like there's a map but people can't read it because they think it's mapping the heavens or something like that but the aliens know how to read it and uh so john's like getting angry because you know he just wants to get his magic back and stuff like that the ground starts shaking because he's getting worked up over this soon everyone starts bickering uh just like over little things like zaria and berard are are bickering over you know because she's trying to look out for him because you know he doesn't he's not taking relationships seriously whatever and all this stuff like that so nate's like yelling at them to stop but then he decides he's angry too because he's like you know when when rory you know went off he was like the only og legends left and no one cared how he was doing and whatever he keeps going on the alien comes and uh so then he's like oh this is where my my plan ends because you know he turns the metal but it's like you know the big things there spooner tries controlling it and then reeves comes out and sarah's like diggle he's like yeah i can dig or something or whatever i don't know but uh spooner's like i can't hold it much longer so astra uses magic to stop blow up the alien so inside the saloon things are back to normal the dude's singing again you know so people are back to drinking and gambling and whatever so Gary comes up to talk to John. He says he knows how he can get a map to the, the fountain. Uh, so the, the man who found it actually lives in John's attic. So it's the, the guy in the painting, I guess. Ava uh, brings Sarah. Sarah's been drinking a lot of shakes with like lots, like cherries. So there's something about that. Ava's like, what's with you and the cherries? Whatever. So she uh, brings her a shake with a lot of cherries since she's been eating them. And you know Sarah says that you know she wanted so badly for things to be like the way they were before. And Ava's like, well, you know, we could be something new and, and better and whatever. And, you know, so this is around a ship now. Yeah. And so, you know, she drinks a shake or whatever. She's like, is that passion dragon ash whatever in the shake? And then they start making out or whatever. So Berard talks to Zari. Uh, you know, she's a little sad because John is, is heading out on a mission, whatever. And, you know, because they, they made up and, you know, they apologize, whatever. But he asks if, if he can borrow her totem, whatever. And so he gives his and hers to nate 
because he says he should be able to visit his Zari with both of the totems and then they can do whatever. So they're just going to borrow them. And then uh, Ava comes into the main room and then, you know, she's the, the cowboys. He's, oh, the cowboy's on the ship. He's like singing like for all a little as we're seeing everyone. And she's like, I told you that we can't keep the cowboy narrator. And he's like, mm. and that's where it ends. So it's just. Okay. But so here's the thing, because I, I haven't been obviously following the news that much, but I, I heard that that Diggle, uh, what's his name? Uh, Rams. Well, anyways, the, the guy who plays Diggle. John Rams or Gordon, not Gordon Rams. He's you know he's supposed to be appearing, guesting in all these shows. So it's like he's on Legends of Tomorrow, but he's not Diggle. He's a relative, maybe, or just some dude that happens to look like him with the big bushy mustache. So it, it wasn't even him. They 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 don't even and after that they don't even mention anything. They don't even talk to each other. Man, that guy looks just like Diggle. Because, I mean, who knows Diggle? I mean, well, they all know Diggle from the, the crossovers. I mean, Sarah definitely knows him. So it was just kind of silly. But whatever. That's the episode. And there was a preview for next week. I forgot what it, what it was, but I didn't catch it. So, yeah. Okay, The Flash, Season 7, Episode 15, Enemy at the Gates. Um, yeah, this this was a, a fine issue, issue, fine episode. A couple things bugged me, but it's just again maybe i'm just being too nitpicky or whatever so let's just get to it uh barry's working in his like his csi office whatever at the station um and then nora appears which like i said i didn't like nora in the beginning i think i don't know if i was talking about the episodes then but the more we saw of her i really liked the character and the actress portraying her so when she left i was like this is a bummer and so when she, when she's there, I was like, ah, oh, this is cool. You know, she's there. And she's like, dad, she's like, don't worry, dad. She's like, I know we've been through a lot. She's like, things will work out. And then they hug. And, and he's like, I missed you so much. And then he wakes up at his desk. It was just, just a friggin' dream. And then this is a part that bugs me. <laughs> this is what, it's just two things that bugs me. So because of this, he calls Iris. This is going to sound crazy, but I think we're pregnant. So, um... <laughs> okay so what bothers me the main thing that really bothers about this episode candace Patton wasn't there on set for what i have no reason i have no idea why i've but she's not there so like usually when you know someone calls someone they show them you know that or you can at least hear them so he calls her says that she's not there but it's like okay that's just an intro so that that's fine and then um he he's uh He's at his at at home, and he's you know he you can hear him. He's like yelling out to Iris. He's getting ready to go. He's, he tells her that this might be why she's sick. That it could have something to do with the meta makeup or something like that. And this is when I'm watching this. I was like, is she even there? And this is when you realize that she's not. So he's gonna run some samples to the lab. Uh, I think it's the Star Labs, you know, because he's gonna take whatever to, to check it out. But then Cecile's at the door because she has like a some file for Iris or something like that. And he's like, oh, you know, she's sick, you know, whatever, and, and stuff like that. And and Cecile's kind of being nosy. She's like, what's going on? You know, she can tell that that he's like overjoyed about that there's something going on. But, you know, and he is, he's excited, but, you know, he has, they don't really know anything yet. So, you know, you don't tell someone right away. But he's like, oh, she's fine. And, you know, it's like, I'll make sure she gets it and stuff like that. So then uh, we see Frost. She's throwing paint at a canvas to make art, whatever. You know, she's not happy. Uh, Chester comes in with some information about Mark, the bartender dude. 
And uh, he's like, you know, he's handed in state evidence. He's turning over a new leaf, but, you know, she doesn't believe it. So um, she's going to wait for him to show his true colors, and then she's going to kick his butt back to Iron Heights. And and I, I forget what someone says, like, that sounds a little stalkerish or whatever. And But she's just, she really doesn't believe him or I, I think it's because she had a crush on him and you know she doesn't like the fact that he's he's bad and so she's just so angry whatever so then we see joe he's actually working out of ralph dibney's old office which is is kind of kind of cool or whatever kramer's there and um you know she's impressed because he's dug up more on this operation griffin thing in one week than she did in years but they've hit a dead end joe says that you know what he doesn't understand is you know so if this guy if he set off five claymores or something like that, and then given the proximity, he's like, you know, how did she survive? And she's like, you know, that's something I've been, I've been asking myself that same question. And so Joe's like, well, what do you remember about the attack? And she's like, you know, fragments, you know, mostly screams, whatever. There's a heat of the explosion. And she's like, and Adam's eyes or something like that, you know, just his, the look in his eyes. So somehow she could tell that he knew he would survive. And then she says that, uh, you know, sort of trying to figure out, well, where could he be? You know, whatever. So she says that he loved open water, um, you know, because like he wanted to join the Navy, but he followed her into the army to watch over her and protect her or whatever. So Joe says something about his uncle or something like that used to take him fishing and old sailors, um, they took like naming their boats very seriously like that. So he's like, did he have a call sign? And she's like, yeah, Rasputin. So, you know, he looks up boat registrations nearby and it turns out. There was a new registration six weeks after the operation, whatever, and there's a boat named Rasputin. So she's like, well, I'm going to go. I'm going to find it. I can't believe, you know, he, he was so close all this time. And, and But then, you know, she's like, I can't let him get away. And, and Joe starts talking because, again, Joe is a voice of reasoning. Like I said before, he's the heart of the show. And he's talking about her, you know, is she going out for vengeance or for justice? Or like, then she's like, you know, she realized she's like, you're right. She's like, do you want to go with or can you come with me? Or So, you know. They, they go. She's like, lead the way. Um, and then Godspeed zips into town. Now, here's the thing. I don't remember the last period. I, I don't remember what happened the last time Godspeed was there and, and how it, the whole thing resolved. So, um, but then there's like two of them. And there's like speaking like modem speak is what the closed captions say. And they're like, rah, rah. <laughs> so we have all that. Barry arrives at Star Labs because he doesn't want anyone to know what he's doing. You know, with the, the test samples, he gets startled when he sees Chester, and he um he's like, oh, he's like, I have uh, blood and urine because oh, Cecile thought he had a lunch before. He's like, aren't we meeting for lunch? So he's got a little paper bag and he's like, oh, it's blood and urine sample for uh, Caitlin, who's also my uh, general practitioner. And, and Chester like, isn't that weird? You know, your teammates and he's like, oh, it was at first, but it's not. You know, he's making up excuses like that. And then Chester's like, well, you know, she must have double booked because you know she's checking out Ultraviolet right now. You know, she's in there and and everything. So he's like, oh yeah, okay. And then he calls he calls Iris. He you know he uh, he goes out in the hall, you know, because they, they don't want anyone to know. And um, you know, apparently he talks to her. She said something like that. Oh, like he's like, oh yeah, you're right. I could, you know, check it out in my lab with the the HG something levels or whatever. So it's like Iris is like, dude, why don't you just check it at your lab? Because I know everything, and you know, you're supposed to be a smart CSI guy who analyzes all this stuff. But I'm telling you what to do, and that you, she's not even on the phone. 
<laughs> and she's bugging me. Caitlin and Ultraviolet, uh, they're so they're you know she's checking her out, or whatever. You know, Black Hole did a procedure that causes a forty percent decrease in her body's ability to intake oxygen or something like that. So the mask, you know, is like is the mask keeping her alive? Um, it has an implant circus or circuit or something like that that works with her vocal cords. But the problem is it requires regular software updates, kind of like your phone. And pretty soon it's going to stop working since she's not working for a uh, black, black hole anymore. So that's a problem. Caitlin thinks that, you know, she can fix it permanently, but it's risky. And Ultraviolet says it doesn't matter because she's not going to do it. And Allegra, you know, she's tries talking to her. She's like, why aren't you going to do this or whatever? And, and she's like, you know, what she says stuff that like, you know, she doesn't fear death. You know, because Allegra is like, you know, you can trust her. She's like, she's, I trust her and everything like that. And, but, you know, she doesn't want to do it. And, um, but uh, she says like that, you know, whatever, you know, she doesn't fear death anymore. To, you know, if it happens, it happens type of thing. But then I guess she talked to her because, you know, she's trying to say, you know, we'll, you know, do it for me or whatever. Anyways, uh, at the bar, some, there's a fight. Some dudes are, are fighting the bartender. Um, they're calling him a rat or whatever. Frost shows up, tells them to leave now. And then they, they do. So he's like bleeding. looks like he has like a gut wound or something like that. Uh, she can't. She's like, well, he, let's, I got to take you to hospital. He's like, well, I can't go there because I stole this piece of whatever equipment there. And she's like, well, what about this one? And he's like, he stole something else there. She's like, well, there's this shady vet downtown, whatever. And he like, nope. So she's like, all right, I can't believe I'm going to do this. So she's going to take him to Star Labs. Which is just kind of silly. Um, Cecile comes up to Barry. She's like, "Is that urine?" <laughs> and so she's being super nosy, which which is uh, annoying. And then she's like, "Are you, are you an Iris?" What? And he's like, "No." Um, but then there's like explosion that shatters the wid- windows and the samples, or whatever. So and Barry um, dragged her out, you know, grabbed her and took her out in the halls, whatever. So you know, he was interrupted. Uh, Star at Star Labs, Godspeed attacked or maybe um, Barry figured out that there's two of them because there's attack here and attack here, but it's they're too far apart and he can't move that he's not that fast. You know, Godspeed's not that fast, so there must be two of them or something like that. But then how can they they track them and stuff like that? And uh, of course Chester's like, well, you know, with their the way they speak, um, he could f- make this crypt cryptographic algorithm to decipher their modem speak and blah 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 it's it's like they can always come up with everything it's like you can just like like save the world or you know whatever you can do anything you don't even know what you're talking about you don't even know what's going on and you have solutions caitlin patches up the bartender dude um so the whole thing about bringing the bartender guy there it's like okay barry stupidly walks around all the time without his his flash mask on because we have to see gary gary grant gustin's gary we have to see grant gustin's face right that's why he's getting paid so there's so many times like anyone can just like walk in there's i don't know there's no security there's only like three people four people what there's this the building's not even staffed anyway it seems like anyone just walk in so anyways uh he figures out the dasonic boom must be a speedster um, and you know there were recently five Godspeeds, or whatever. So Frost is mad that you know he figures it out or something like that. But she's like, there's only two of them. He wants to help, but she's like, no. And so she locks him in the the med med lab or whatever. Caitlin uh, prepares to do surgery on Ultraviolet. Um, so and, and it was like weird. So I guess she like changed her mind. They didn't really go through it, but I guess you know Legra talked her into it. An alarm goes off. Barry or Flash goes to check it out. He says that. You know, he's like, I know you're not the real Godspeed, so why don't you just tell me who sent you? But then he's like, 
roars and modem speakers and like that. Chester's working to decipher it. And uh, the Godspeed said, I have him. So then he's like, oh, frack, it's a trap. Get out of there. And then uh, I think it was like five more Godspeeds show up or maybe it was four more or something like that. And Barry, he phases through the floor he, and he like runs out of the building. They're chasing after him. And he's like, put up the force field. But they're like, that's going to lock you out. He's like, just do it. So it's like his big domes like slowly going down. And he like slides under it um, before it conceals. They can't get in. They're out roaring to each other and they're pounding on a force field. And and all this super fast pounding. The integrity is, is failing on the force field. So Barry's like worried. Um, and he's like, I'm glad Iris is home. It's safe. It's like, she's not home. She's not there. She's not there at all. But he's he's glad that she's not there. He feels bad for putting everyone in, in danger. Uh, and then he calls Iris again. And it's it's so awkward when you have to pretend to make, you're talking to someone and there's no one there. Which, I mean, they always do that, but it's just so obvious. He's like, yeah, and then this. Oh, yeah. Oh, you're okay? Uh-huh. Apples, bananas. <laughs> so he he um he goes out in the hall to call, and then Chester comes out. Oh, this is just so annoying. And he's like laughing. He's like, "You're having a baby." It's like, dude, you're eavesdropping on his conversation. Did he tell you he's having a baby? No. Um, I I'm, I feel like I'm channeling my daughter's rage when she gets mad about things like that. She would be so. Uh, ticked off at this dude but he did not tell you this this is a private thing people don't just tell you they tell you when they're prepared to tell you you overheard this conversation you should just tiptoe back back up and act like you didn't hear it okay yeah you're excited for him he didn't tell you they don't want you to know and he's just ah uh, anyways barry's like we haven't told anyone can you keep a secret and he's like yeah it's like, but anyways He's pretty sure it's a girl or something like that because uh, Chester says something like, "Oh, you know, you have a name for her? whatever." So he thinks it's he thinks it's gonna be Nora, whatever. And we know it's probably not, right? We don't know anything. Chester, um, because he's like, you know, how do you know already? And then he's like, you know, if you know it, I could change the timeline and stuff like that. So Chester's. Anyways, his reason for coming is because Godspeed used probability or something to predict where Barry would show up, and they even knew that he would get away. Even though that didn't help them, he still got away. So they knew he was going to get away, but he got away. So the only way to defeat him is to be unpredictable or something like that. Caitlin's still trying to perform surgery. Um, and it's weird because Allegra and Cecile are in the room and they're not even wearing masks or anything. They're just like five, ten feet away where they're just sitting there like, oh, go, Caitlin. But it's just like uh, germs. <laughs> uh, Mark's trying to break out of the, the room that he's in. He manages to hack the door open right when when Freeze shows up, and uh, she has a she has a, like the weapon to Freeze bracelet things, and she's like, "Can I trust you not to stab me in the back, whatever?" And, and he's like, "I'm not a good guy, whatever." And she's like, "There's six speedsters, you know, trying to get in here, and if they do, we're all gonna die." And she's like, and, you know, I don't want to die. And I'm pretty sure you don't either. So he's like, fine, whatever. And she's like, it takes a lot to gain my trust. She's like, break it and you won't get it back. So Chester says that he can um, he can replicate the the modem talk. And he's like, he could play it all over, you know, speakers on all over the city. And it would be hard for them to talk. Because it's like if you're at a club and, you know, everyone's talking on top of each other, you can't really hear anything. So if he does that, they won't be able to talk to each other or whatever. 
Ultraviolet's hands twitching. Um, they're like, oh no, is the anesthesia wearing off? Uh, you know, because Black Hole did something. So um, Cecile, she's like, well, I, I think I can help. And so she walks up. She's using her power to calm her down or something like that. Because apparently she can share her feelings with the others or with other people now. And she's, so she shared the peace of knowing that Allegra and Caitlin and the rest of Team Flash are out there saving the world one day at a time. So that calmed her down. The Godspeeds are still punching and everything like that, trying to get through the force field. One decides to do some weird chest hurricane thing. I don't know how this works. All of a sudden, it's like whoosh, this thing just shoots out of its chest, and it looks like a little like tornado, or whatever, and it makes a hole. So then the others see that they start doing the same thing. I'm like, what the heck is going on? And I don't know if this is something that they did before, and I just totally don't remember, but it just seemed really weird. So the force feels down. They zip inside. One is in the control room. Um, it calls the other. Chester goes to the time vault. Gideon secures a room. Um, Barry's fighting. Caitlin and Mark face two more. Uh, Gideon uh, asks Chester if he wants her to play the modem noise in the Star Labs over the intercom, and he's like, "Yeah, you know." He's like, um, "He's like, do it loud, Chester Funk loud." And then <laughs> um, it works, and Barry starts punching. They start playing rap music. Uh, what, or actually, not really rap, but it's Diesel Power by the Prodigy. Wasn't expecting to hear that in the episode of The Flash, but it's just weird. Um, they're everyone's fighting. Mark winks at Frost while they're fighting. It's like. Ugh. Uh, one Godspeed finds a time vault and easily blasts the door open. It's like so much for being secure. It fries the system and then the, the noise and the music stops. So now they can dodge frost punches, whatever. They send lightning at her and Mark. Um, their hands are vibrating. They're about to kill them. Barry's uh, facing three of them. Then he's like, come on. And he knocks them over and he runs out. They follow. Um, they zip in front of him. They zap him. He gets knocked back on the ground, and they start doing their, their chest hurricane things. But then five more um, Godspeed show up and zap the five that are attacking or something like that. Was there five, six? I don't even remember. So now they're fighting each other, and Barry's just like sitting on, on, a, on a, the ground like watching them. And then there's a bright light, and they're all gone. And he's like, what the hell? <laughs> Which is exactly, he's like, what the hell just happened? So Ultraviolet's recovering. She's going to be okay. Uh, they're worried now because there's a dozen Godspeeds. So maybe there were six and six or whatever. So, and then they asked Barry's like, how much of your speed did they take? And he's like, not much. But then they're like, well, why would they help you? And he's like, I don't think they, they were, you know, they're fighting each other. So maybe there's like this fight going, there's like a, a Godspeed civil war happening or something. Maybe Mark, uh, makes a drink for him and frost. But then it's like, did he put some drug in hers? There's like something going on. Uh, he says that, when the two Godspeeds had them pinned down and it seemed like that was it, he was okay with it. And she's like, why? Because he was with her and he knew that she'd be the last thing he'd ever see or hear. So bleh, they start kissing. But then um, the drink shaker starts to react. So she goes to check it out and there's like something smoking and she could smell it. She knew it was like some other chemical. Because he said something about a chemical compound mixture and she knew what it was. She turns around and he's gone. So I have no idea what that was all about. I mean, I don't know if he, what he did to scam her, but he's gone. So she's going to be mad. Um, whatever. Barry's running tests again. Cecile's there telling him not to worry. You know, he's going to be a great dad. And he says that he hopes her child or their, he hopes that their child has Iris's heart and fearlessness. Cecile's like, she will. Um, the, the test ends up being negative. 
But then Barry talks about his dream where Nora said it would work out. He's like, if this isn't the future for me and Iris, then what is? But see, the, the thing is, we know that Bart Allen is coming back as their son, which is so dumb. So I don't think Nora's coming back. I think they're going to have a kid and somehow it's going to be Bart, which I, I don't know. But then uh, we see a, there's a car parked at, at the lake or marina or whatever. Joe and Kramer are watching the dude's boat and she's worried because they, you know, they, they grew up so alike and, but something in him broke. So, you know, she's worried, you know, could that happen to her or whatever? You know, he left her for dead. You know, what could change a person like that? Then a light appears behind them and she's like, get out. But the car blows up. So did they get out in time or, or is Joe? De- Joe could be dead. Even though we know Jesse L. Martin's coming back next season, so that's how it ends. So it was, it was, it was a, believe it or not, it was a fine episode. I, I was okay with it, um, just a little thing, and it was just so weird with Iris not being there. But that's how it goes. So that brings us to Star Wars: The Bad Batch, season one, episode ten, Common Ground. Um, there's like some lady moth or something like that. She's talking to some pla- the planet Raxus. Um, the, the empire is not their enemy, you know, ask for their loyalty. And because there's been some stuff going on, there's been mandatory curfew. The Senator dude, um, you know, he's just like listening and, um, you know, so he has to go and talk to him, but you know, he, he, um, doesn't really want to go along. So while he's talking to the crowd, um, you know, he's supposed to talk to them about like cooperation, stuff like that. And he says that he promised, then he's like, no, this is wrong. He's like, I can no longer condone this unjust occupation. They wish to intimidate us and stuff like that. So they're going to like lock him up. But he told his protocol droid before. He's like, if anything happens to me, carry out my my orders or something like that. So the droid sends out a message. Uh, we require assistance or something like that. The clones and Omegas are... Um, the clones and Omega? Did, did I say... The clones and Omega are back at SIDS. Uh, Tech says that, um, you know, with two hunty, bounty hunters after Omega, you know, it's, it's best to keep a low pl- profile. I can't talk anymore. <laughs> Sid has a mission for extraction on Raxus. They have to locate and free the Senator. Hunter doesn't want to help a, a separatist or whatever. Uh, and he doesn't want to take Omega to a planet full of Imperials. But Sid's like, she's like, well, then leave her with me. You know, she's like, it's it's in my best interest to keep the kids safe if it means, you know, more money for me. You know, if they go out on this mission and they, you know, she'll get more money or whatever. So Hunter tells uh, Omega, you know, she's like, okay, let's go, whatever. And, and he tells her she's not part of this mission. So she's not thrilled, but, you know, those are orders like that. They land outside the Capitol. The protocol droid meets them. And, you know, Rucker's like, we're working for a droid. Um, at SIDS, Omega's like moping around. And SIDS like, you know, you should just do something, whatever. She's like, you know, maybe if you weren't so helpless, the four laser brains wouldn't would have taken you, whatever. So then she like leaves and, you know, there's more pouting, whatever. Um, on a Raxus, they detect several stormtroopers at the compound, plus there's a surveillance system. So they manage to get in through this one entrance uh, with the protocol droids help. Tech hacks into the security system so they can see what's going on. Back at SIDS, um, uh, Sid is playing holo chest with a couple patrons, or whatever. And Omega's like, "Oh, I wouldn't do that." And she does, and then she's like, "Well, what would you do?" And then she's like, and it helps her win. 
And then uh, she's like, well, it's just a strategy game. She's like, I'm good at strategy. So they're going to play because um, it's like, oh, you know, we should play or whatever. And she's like, well, what's my cut? And she's like, I'll give you a 30%. Omega's like, well, how about 60? So I don't know. I don't know if that's what they settle on, but they, they don't tell us. Um, so the senator is about to uh, be tortured for information. Um, there's like a torture probe droid thing, whatever. But then the clones come in, neutralize everyone. The center is free, but the alert's already been issued. So their position's been compromised. Um, they end up t- liberating a walker tank thing, but then the tank gets disabled. So they have to attack on foot. The senator's like, he's like, oh, let's go this way, whatever. They're like, this is a dead end. They go into like the secret tunnel. They manage to, to make it back to their ship. But then the senator, he, he asks us, he's like, what am I doing? He's like, I can't leave my people. But then the droid and Hunter convince him that, you know, this is what's best. Uh, you know, it's better to live and fight another day. So then at SIDS, uh, they see there's a lot of people there. Omega's playing and everyone's watching and, you know, placing bets and stuff like that. Hunter's not happy. He's like, this isn't keeping a low profile. But Sid tells him to ease up. And she's like, you know, she earned enough to pay off the debt that you owe me. And he's like, she's like, you should show her some gratitude. So then Hunter talks to Omega. He's like, did you really pay off her debt? She's like, yeah, I just wanted to be useful, even though I couldn't go on the mission. Then Hunter's like, he's like, okay. He's like, I'll ch- let's, I'll challenge you to one match. If you win, no more sitting out on missions. And she's like, okay. And then it fades to black. So she's probably going to win, and she's going to go on the missions now. So that was <laughs> that's the episode. Um, I have to say, I, I enjoy covering the bad batch episodes because it seems like for some reason i can do it really fast which with the other shows it just it takes me so much long i don't know what it is about it but but i enjoyed it it, it was it was a, a good episode um i mean yeah so i don't know i don't know if i liked it because omega wasn't with them but then you know omega doing the whole strategy thing and being important that way you know that's important but whatever so it, it was a fine episode Okay, with Loki season one, episode four, the Nexus event. So I I did like this episode, and just like I liked last week's, I I feel I feel last week was as important because it just kind of built this relationship with between Loki and Sylvie, just uh, you know them working together and getting to know each other and stuff like that. So I, I thought that was um was was important. Um, here that we see the TVA grab this little lady Loki. Um, you know, she's a, supposedly she's a variant. So this is obviously Sylvie. And then they reset the timeline. So she's brought to the TVA. She's brought up to the judge. And then we see Ravona was the, the hunter that, that brought her in. And then she like bites Ravona as she stomps on her foot. And cause you know, she's just a regular agent. And then Sylvie gets her, t- her temp pad and she opens a portal and, and she takes off. So then, uh, it, we see Ravona, facing a timekeeper and then uh, it cuts to the intro so then today in the present mobius talks to ravona as she exits the elevator um they blame her and they said that you know she, uh, she got away along with the variant that she gave mobius permission to bring there mobius says that he needs access to hunter c20 um he she keeps saying um it's real it's real or something like that but then he needs to know what she meant when Ravona said that she's dead. And the, the variant apparently scrambled her mind. So when she got there, she could barely speak. The decline was steeper. They didn't want people to panic. So they're not telling anyone. So as long as the variants out there, they're all in danger. So she's saying that C20 is dead. 
Then on Lamentis, uh, meteors from the planet are still falling. Loki walks up to Sylvie, says he's sorry. Um, she says that, you know, she remembers Asgard not much about her home or people her life. But, you know, it's like the universe wants to break free, so it manifests chaos. You know, it created her. And as soon as she showed that she was a threat, they took her, they erased her reality. And she's like, you know, she was just a child. She escaped. Everywhere she went, she caused a nexus event. So everywhere she went, sent up a smoke flare because she wasn't supposed to exist. So she had to, like, figure out, like, where to hide, you know, between all these other nexus events or whatever. Um, and then uh, the TVA right now, they, they still can't figure out. They can't find them because they're at this. They're at a nexus event themselves. So bigger chunks of the planet are falling. Sylvie says, you know, it won't be long now. Then uh, she's like, you know, do you think what makes Loki's Loki is that we're destined to lose? And he's like, no. Uh, and then he's saying that, you know, she did amazing things considering you know, she was taken as a child or whatever like that. But then uh, somehow they get a temporal lock on them. Um, there's a, a a huge meteor hits the moon, but then uh, because there's like this huge branch veering off on the TVA screen, so that that's how they they know where they're at. So I guess because she's always causing these nexus, whatever she caused another branch, so they were able to find her. Two portals open up. They're both taken by hunters to the TVA. They're separated. Mobius talks to Loki and they they bicker a bit. Mobius um opens a red portal. You know, he's going to he's gonna give Loki one last chance or whatever, you know, say something. And Loki's like, the TVA is lying to him. And then he's like, he's like, okay, whatever. So he throws him into that portal. Um, Sif is there and, you know, she walks up to him. She slaps him and knees him and then punches him or something like that. Because her hair was, was chopped off on one side. So he must have cut her hair while she's sleeping or something like that. So he figures it's a bad memory prison. And then Sif comes in again. Slaps him, knees him, punches him. So it's a time loop. And then, uh, like, she comes a, a third time. He tries cutting her off, saying that she's a construct. And, you know, maybe she could help him. And she just looks at him. Nope. Punches him, slaps him, or whatever. And knees him. All that. So Mobius uh, talks to Ravona. He wants to interview the variant while Loki's being softened up in his prison. And she's like, absolutely not. She's too dangerous. She's like, nobody speaks to the variant. Um, but, you know, Loki says if there's a mastermind... You, he doesn't think that it's Loki, so she's like, "Good, you know, you work your Loki and figure out, you know, what caused that that spike." So Loki's still in his memory thing. He tries begging Sif to stop. You know, he's like, "I'm such a horrible person, whatever." And he says that he cut her hair because he thought it'd be funny, but it's not. He craves attention because he's a narcissist. Maybe it's because you know he's scared to be alone. She listens to all this, and then she helps him up. And she's like, "You are alone. You always will be." But she doesn't hit him this time. So then Mobius comes in and asks if he's ready to talk. They exit back to the sitting room. He asks about him saying, you know, the TVA is lying to him. And Loki says uh, to let him out um, there and stop beating him up and he'll explain. Uh, but he's like, no. And Mobius is like, how long have you been working with the variant? And Loki's like, I'm not. How long have you been partners? We're not. He says, uh, you know, working with her was a means to an end. Then Mobius asks what caused the Nexus event on Lamentis, and Loki's not going to tell him. Then Mobius, he's like, okay, then you're going to go back, you know, so he's going to send him back to, to Lady Sif. But Loki's like, wait, he's like, of course it was me pulling the strings all along. She came to me on Asgard long, long ago. She uh, took me to one of her apocalypses where we hatched my plans. And he's like, you know, she's a, a pawn. And he's like, you know, something very big is going to happen, and then we'll dispose of her. 
or he'll dispose of her. Then he's like, he says that, you know, she's gone. She tried escaping and, and took two of theirs, but B-15 stopped her or something like that. Then Loki's like, uh, he's like, oh, good, good riddance. So, um, Moby's like, the variant's gone. She's, you know, whatever. And then Mobius laughs. He's like, you like her. He's like, both of you are swooning over each other. And he says something like that. He's like a seismic narcissist or whatever. He's like, you fell for yourself. And Loki asks loudly, he's like, is she alive? And he's like, for now, he's like, if what, you know, Sylvie told you about the place is true, then it affects all of them or whatever. Mobius, he's, he's like, you know, you're lying. And then he's like, he's like, you're all variants of TVA kidnapped you and you, you know, change your memories. But before, um, this he's like you know you could have had a family or a life and mobius quietly he's like nice try or whatever and then he says that you know he's gonna have to close the case now you know he doesn't need him anymore and loki's like he says that you know of all the lies mobius is the biggest he's like the lies that you tell yourself so then we see b15 she's standing alone in the hall thinking she's like distraught about something she looks at a tva sign like a poster it says did you get them all verify through deletion so she takes out her baton and she goes into Sylvie's room. So um, and then she or opens a portal. You know she wants to talk to her alone, and she tells Sylvie to come with her. So Ravona is filling out paperwork for Mobius to sign. He's distracted, and she's like, "Case closed." And then she's like, "You know, if you could go anywhere, anytime, where would it be?" And he, I think he says, "If you could go anywhere, he would stay there or something like that." But then, but then he's like, "You know, why why won't he let? Uh, why won't she let him?" question uh sylvie and ravana ravona says that you know she would escape and he's like no she wouldn't then she's asked again she's like you know he's like she's like where would you go he's like well i like it here with you whatever doing the work and then she says that the timekeepers uh want to personally see the variants pruning and want him there too so pruning i guess is when they evaporate them or whatever dissolve them and so they want him there. He's like, well, it's about time. Then he asks, you know, when did she first notice what was going on with C20? And she's like, what's going on with you? And she's like, you know, we did it. Mission accomplished. And he's like, she seemed fine when we found her. And, you know, she's like, you have a lot of questions, whatever. You're asking a lot of questions. And he's like, you know, something just seems off. And she asks, she's like, you want to know the truth? She's like, I'm trying to protect you. She's like, the variant, you know, scares the, the hell out of me. C20 lost her mind and couldn't even form words at the end. She, you know, she's like, I don't want that to happen to you. And, you know, she says some stuff about, you know, this is what we're fighting for. Then he points out something. Then um, he asks, he's like, you know, well, where he's, he's like, oh, where are you going to put that trophy or something like that? So she takes it and she walks to her shelf. And while her back is turned, he takes her temp pad off the table and replaces it with his. Then he tries leaving. She's like, you're only, you know, just one drink, whatever. And he's like, oh, I'm just tired from all the Lokis and everything like that. So B15, B16, um, B whatever, just takes Sylvie back to Rock's cart where, where they outside in the rain. And, you know, she's like, you know, you were in my mind and you showed me something. She's like, what did you do to me? And Sylvie's like, you know, I just showed you a piece from your previous life. And she's like, I can't create memories. She's like, you know, you're a variant. You know, we all are. And then B-16 offers her hand. She's like, show me. And then, you know, she's going through some stuff. And she's like, she's got like tears. She's like, I look happy. And so it's like, you know, what now? So Mobius uh, ducks between some bookshelves and takes out the temp pad. He searches Hunter C-20. Status deceased. He looks at her file. Um, 
And then she's like, you're not hearing me. She's like, I was there. It's like a video file. She's like, it was real. She's like, what I saw. It's like, there wasn't a TVA. It was a memory. I lived there. I went to that bar. I had friends. I had a whole life in the sacred timeline. She's like, I'm a variant. So are you and everyone in this place. And then um, Rogue One is like, I'm ending this right now. And you can see her like lean forward and turn off the camera. So Mobius enters Loki's prison. Uh, He tells Loki, he's like, shut up. He's like, do you really think... um, that you deserve to be alone. He's like, you know, do you care about the variant or something like that? He's like, the next Nexus event could bring this whole place down. Does he really believe that, you know, she didn't plant those memories in C20? And, you know, he's like, he was right about the TVA. He was right from the beginning. If he wants to save her, he has to trust him. Loki can be um, anyone he wants, you know, even if it's someone good. So they exit, and Ravonna's standing there with some hunter guards. She's like, I believe you have something in mind. He's like, yeah. He's like, I got all the way down before I, I even realized I picked up yours. He's like, what's going on? You know, He's like, what's the problem, Ravonna? Then he says, you know where I, I would go if, if I could go anywhere? He's like, where I'm from, you know, wherever. It's like, wherever I had a life before the TVA came along. He's like, maybe I had a jet ski. He's like, that's what I'd like to do. You know, go on my jet ski. And Ravona's like, prune him. And a zap, a hunter zaps Mobius and he disintegrates. Loki is like shocked and upset. And Ravona just like looks away. And then the guards take Loki. And she tells him to wait for her at the elevator. So Ravona goes to Sylvie um, and asks if who was in there with her. And the guard says, uh, you know, it was B-15. You know, she insisted. So Ravona puts out an alert for her saying that you know she's been compromised too. Sylvie gets taken away, and then she's standing next to Loki and his guards. She asks if he's okay. Ravona takes something out and says that um, she she's like, I got them from here. So the three of them go into elevator alone. Sylvie asks her if she remembers her, and she's like, I do. And she's like, you know, she's like, what do you want to say to me, variant? And Sylvie's like, what was my nexus event? She's like, why did you bring me in? And Ravonna's like, what does it matter? And she's like, it was enough to take, you know, my life for me and lead me, you know, to all of this. You know, must have been important. She's like, so what was it? And uh, uh, there's a pause, and Ravonna's like, I don't remember. So the door opens uh, to the timekeepers, and they're sitting at their thrones. And Ravonna addresses them. She's like, after all your struggles at last, uh, you've arrived before us. And a second says. What do you have to say for yourselves before you meet your end variants? And Loki's like, is that the only reason you brought us here to kill us? Uh, he's like, you know, I've lost track of the number of times I've been killed. He's like, so go ahead, do your worst. The third timekeeper says, you and your bravado are no threat to us variants. And Sylvie says, oh, no. I was like, I don't think you believe that. She's like, I think. And then she's cut off. And then uh, glitches. You know, she tried moving forward, whatever. You know, she's forced backwards. She's like, I think you're scared. And the, the, the timekeeper is like, you know, whatever, delete her. So Sylvie's like, she's like, I'm not done yet. She moves, um, but Ravona glitches her back. And then the elevator opens and B-15 comes out. Um, she hits a, a device and restraints on Loki and Sylvie's necks are released. And then she says, for all time, always. And she throws a, a sword to Sylvie. Ravona yells and the hunters, you know, she's like, you know, yells at the hunters, protect the timekeepers. They're surrounded. They fight. Sylvie's uh, facing Ravona. Then, uh, you know, fighting a little bit. She throws a sword to Loki and um, takes a baton spear from one. And she's like, it's time I finish the job. You know, more more fighting. Loki takes out a guard. Sylvie manages to knock out Ravona. Um, and he's like, you're a child of the timekeepers too, Sylvie. He's like, we can talk. 
and then um, she says, "Oh yeah," and she flings a sword at the timekeepers. Um, the at the one in the middle, his head like shatters, or whatever, gets decapitated, and then uh, the other two's uh, they they it's like it's a robot, and then she and Loki look at the severed head. They're like mindless androids and then loki's like it, it never stops so he's like who created the tva and then uh she whips the head down she's like i thought you know this was it and loki's like sylvie he's like i have to tell you something he's like we will figure this out because back on lamentus he's like this is new for me um but then he gets pruned by ravona so loki's dead he gets disintegrated and then sylvie grabs uh, the baton from her she's like do it and sylvie's like no she's like you're gonna tell me everything so that's the end. Loki's gone. He's psh, right, but then mid credits, Loki wakes up with a gasp. He's like, "Is this is this hell?" He's like, "Am I dead?" And then a voice is like, "Not yet, but you will be unless you come with us." So there's three other Lokis. Um, actually, there might be four. There's a there's a black one. There's a kid. And there's like an old man, like kind of like comic book Loki costume. And I think there's like a reptile lizard Loki that the the kid was holding. So that's uh, that's the end of the episode. Okay, I want to talk uh, briefly about Fear Street Part 1, 1994. Um, I totally didn't hear anything about this. The only reason I, I checked this out was because Maya Hawk was in there, and <laughs> I won't say anything more about that. I, so apparently these are based on um, books by R.L. Stein. I haven't I haven't read any R.L. Stein books, because I, I think that they came out um, after whatever you know when i wasn't reading those because it was for a younger whatever group age group and this movie i don't even know how you would say what's a, the short description it's a it's a nice it's it's a pretty good good horror movie it has a decent plot you know there's some some cheesy parts and um because it's set in the 90s there's a lot of sort of little kind of nods you know sort of cliches or whatever that you would expect and i think they do a good job there's kind of some callbacks like different types of different other horror movies and everything like that you know like you can always say there's like some halloween or some scream there's you know i i think they 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 do a good job with all the whole everything and kind of make this sort of a original this different story and everything like that Basically, what what it is is in this town, there's there's two two competing towns. There's like the rich town and the not so rich town. So all this bad stuff is happening in the the not rich town. There's all these these uh, murders and stuff happening, and it has to do with there is like this witch. You know, this uh, it goes back years and years, whatever. All all these you know horrific things that have happened and everything like that. And uh, along with it, there are other killers that are kind of connected that you find out. And I don't know if that's a spoiler or not. But then it really comes down to like a group of kids trying to survive. And where, you know, one person has been kind of tagged by the witch. And, you know, can they defeat the witch and all these other... Because at first, you know, they don't know what's going on. And, and they assume that it's uh, this jerky kid from the rich town, you know posing as a killer because it, it starts off with a murder at a mall and uh, the killer had like a a skull mask so then uh the rich jerky kid was wearing a mask and so they think it's him but then obviously it's not so it's it's a matter of them you know trying to survive and trying to come up with a way to to defeat them and everything so some things are are kind of 
it's it's a stretch, but I would say overall it's it's pretty good. And then you know there is a there is a, a bit of a cliffhanger. You know I don't want to dwell too much because I don't want to give anything away. But um, it is does set up the next movie because you know this is going to be a trilogy. And uh, I, so I, I think it, it's it's pretty good, even though it's R.L. Stein. I'm like, is this gonna be like you know for kids or whatever? But it's not. Uh, you know, obviously with with the deaths, some of them get a little gruesome. And uh, I'm trying to think if there's profanity. There must have been. And um, there wasn't any really. There's no like graphic sexual situation. There's some part where a couple of people are making out for pretty and groping and you know stuff's happening but there's like no actual nudity or, or graphic or anything like that the next part because it takes place in the 78 the preview looks like it's a more implied um things are happening but you know this this movie the it's uh <laughs> i would say it's okay for kids it's not okay for kids because there's these murders and stuff like that stuff but it's a it's it's definitely a PG thirteen horror movie, so you know you, you know what to expect there. But I was surprised by this. I, you know, I, I wasn't really planning on watching it or whatever. Because uh, when did I watch it? Friday. I you know I decided it's like I'm gonna watch Back to the Future, and it turned out Saturday was the thirty first anniversary, so it's kind of like perfect timing. And it, but after I watched Back to the Future, I was just like, I don't. I'm not gonna watch. Uh, you know, I wasn't going to follow it up with two just yet, but I was like, maybe I'll check that horror movie out, you know, and then I watched it and, and yeah, so it was pretty good. So I would say, check it out. You know, um, I don't want to go further into detail and, you know, give anything away, but it was, um, it was decent. So I would say if you know have Netflix, go ahead and check it out. You, if you like horror movies, that is, you know, it, it's, it's pretty good. Oh, and uh, the second part comes out this week. So I think there's like every week there's another part coming out. So check that out. Okay, then there is The Tomorrow War with Chris Pratt. And um, so critics didn't really like this, apparently. So they were pretty, pretty vicious with this. I thought it was it was a fine movie. And um, I think one part that might make it a little cheesy or cliche, whatever is one thing that I kind of connected to. There's some stuff, you know, I don't really want to give away too much, but there's like some stuff because I'm a father and have a daughter. There's like stuff with, with that kind of made me appreciate uh, Chris Pratt's character's mission to try to save the world or whatever um, because of that. And, you know, just, just thinking like, you know, what would I do for my daughter? You know, I would don't want my daughter to die or, you know, the whole planet to die and, and stuff like that. So I think that that stuff right, right there, I was able to not relate to necessarily, but I, I could kind of see where, where things are, are coming from. So um, just to, the, the way it starts off, I'll, I'll just go into a little bit. It, it's a weird opening because you see Chris Pratt falling from the sky, whatever, and there's like this war-torn city. And then he, he, he's in this guy. He falls on top of his building in his pool, thankfully. And then he comes out. He's got this big old rifle. And he kind of has this like tough guy, annoyed look on his face. It's like, what the heck is going on? Then it cuts to 28 years earlier. And then we see it's uh, December 2022. Uh, he, he gets out of a car. He's wearing like this kind of big sweater. He's carrying a bunch of stuff. There's this Christmas party. And I was like, wait, how can this be uh, You know, 28 years earlier? He looks the same. And 
he's like on the phone talking to someone, but it's weird because he's using like headphones instead of earbuds. And this is supposed to be 2022. So it's like next year, but whatever. He has a wife and a daughter. And we find out that he's angry at his dad. He doesn't want, you know, cause his, his dad sent his daughter like a, a Christmas card or something like that. He doesn't want him to have anything to do with his daughter since he abandoned him at some point. So we find out he was trying to get some, some job. He's trying to get a gig. Um, he might've been like in the armed forces because his daughter like saluted him when he came home. So, you know, it's not really clear what he was trying to do, but he doesn't, he ends up not getting the job because he doesn't have any experience in a private sector or something like that. But then it also said there's something to do with science. Um, so back at the party, they're watching the world cup finals and in, in the middle of the field, this big portal like explosion thing happens and then several soldiers come out with like these rifles they come out like they kind of like drop out of the portal this woman soldier comes last and she's like we are you 30 years in the future we're fighting a war our enemy is not human and we are losing she's like in 11 months time all human beings in the future will be wiped from the face of the earth unless you help us we need you to fight alongside us you are our last hope so that's why it's a tomorrow war so um this is something that's happening um 30 years from now there's this war going on so then 12 months later soldiers are being sent to the future to fight in this war and a very small percentage are coming back so there ends up being this worldwide draft and then there and around the world there's a lot of protests and debate you know whether they should even be fighting a war that hasn't even started yet and all this stuff um, Chris Pratt, he teaches science at a high school and the kids are like, they're, they're very bored or distracted, whatever. You know, he's trying to teach them photosynthesis. And then, um, he's like, all right, what do you want to talk about? And stuff like that. So they're, they're upset by what's happening. Cause they're like, based on a projection, you know, everyone's going to die in 30 years. So what's the point of anything, you know, grades and all it, and nothing matters. And then, uh, he ends up getting called in. So he, he goes to some place, whatever he, they, they run some tests and do some stuff. He's been elevated to active two status or whatever and they because they find out he's going to die in seven years on october 30th 2030 um but they won't tell him how he dies they they this armband thing kind of gets attached to his forearm so with it he can jump forwards and backwards in time but it also tracks him they're like if you try to take tamper with it you know we'll know and you know if, if you take off then you know your your wife or whoever is able to will have to take your place or something like that so he has 24 hours to get everything in order. So it's just like that. It's like, boom, you're drafted. 24 hours, you're, you're heading out. Um, so we find out that he served in the, the Army Special Squad Command or whatever in Iraq, but that was 15 years ago. Um, his wife works with like survivor groups or something like that. And it turns out when they go, they they do like seven-day um, missions. or what, What's it called? I'm, I'm totally blanking tour duty it's some something else like that but a lot of these people they're like missing um limbs you know they have prosthetics and stuff like that um chris Kratt, chris chris pratt chris chris Kratt walks in you know walks in the room and you know while she's talking he just slowly like pulls up his sleeve and she sees he has an armband so so she she knows about that and uh, so now she's like upset, you know, after she's talking, she's like, you know, 30% of the draftees come back. She's like, you know, I've talked to him and everything like that. She's like, you know, you should go talk to your dad, ask him for a favor or whatever. He's like, I don't want to. She's like, you know, don't do it for you. You have to do it for me and for, for our daughter. So his dad, I had no idea because I, I think I mentioned I or last week or whatever. I've not, I haven't watched a single trailer for this. 
His dad is J.K. Simmons. I had no idea. And, and his dad's pretty buff. J.K. Simmons is pretty buff. They bicker and stuff like that. Because apparently, you know, he could maybe take off the arm device, but he does what they just get in a fight and he doesn't he ends up not doing it. But he he's doing some questionable deals, you know, a helicopter, whatever fly. He's a, a pilot, whatever. And, you know, he's making money and stuff like that. So then um, Chris Pratt goes home and you know he, his daughter's outside because she's trying to find a vaccine in the dirt, you know, the worms and poop. And, you know, because she's she's super smart and all this stuff. She's a little kid. And then uh I, I mean, I love this part. This this girl, she's she's so great. She's a great, great actress. Because uh, he, he's like, I have to go on a trip. He's like, I'm only gone for like a week. And she knows that he got drafted. And you just see like this reaction on her face. And so I, I thought it was, it was good. So yeah, so the tour duty seven days. After the tour, after seven days, the, the, the arm thing, it determines if they're still alive. And if they are, it brings them back. And then... Um, so he's being sent to a research division that because apparently the aliens retreat on uh, after the sixth day and they call it the Sabbath. So that's why that's when, when they, they use that time to send a new soldier. So that's why the tour duty is like seven days or whatever. But then something happens and they have to go early. You know, the while they're, they're being they're like all in this big room and they're just in, whoosh, they're like in rows getting sucked up. But something's happening during the jump. And then it cuts to the beginning. So they end up going to the wrong place. And that's why they fall at the beginning or at, they fall at, at the middle of the sky. You see people falling down. Like a lot of them are smashing into buildings and it's just really bad. And, and then that's, that's when he, he falls into the pool and everything like that. So they, they, their job is they, um, Miami, you know, they land in Miami. It's been overrun by these alien things and we finally get to see them. Um, they, they've kind of wiped out they're going to bl- basically blow up the town. They're like, they're everything is gone. So they need this squad to go to the, get the research team and, and the stuff that they're working on and bring them back. And that's what they, what they have to go. Um, so we have this whole part and everything. And this is kind of like, like the first hour of the movie. Cause after this part, it almost feels like it could be over, but there's obviously a lot more to the story. And then there's this other twist, which adds, you know, this other layer to the story and everything like that. So overall, I mean, I thought it, it was a, it was it was a decent movie. I I didn't mind it. You know, there are some things that are kind of dumb or whatever, but this idea, you know, it is a time travel movie, but they can only go forward and backward. They can, you know can't go to any other time. So it's like, why not go earlier and and stuff like that? And they don't really know how it started. It's like these aliens. You know, there's no detection of their ship crashing, so it must have been like super stealth mode or something, because it, all of a sudden they disappeared. So it's like they can't figure out when this is going to happen but they know it's going to happen and and that's the big thing it's like you know he wants to protect his daughter and everything like that and so there's some other interesting parts with that and um there, there's one character is like the pure comedy relief which is a little annoying at times but you know you, like you said you, you there's like some cliche characters and but I thought it was okay. It, it, you know, it wasn't horrible. I'm not going to watch it again anytime soon, but I would almost recommend watching it, you know, if you have nothing else to do. And um, I, I think there's some interesting enough concepts. It's, you know, whether it's it's totally original or not, I don't know, but I thought it was a fine movie. And um, yeah, so I, I, I'm, I'm glad I watched it. I was glad, I'm glad I was able to watch it, you know, since I have Amazon Prime. So it was um, better than I thought. You know, I was just like, I don't, this, whatever. Um, it, it was a fine movie, I would say. So that's all I'm going to say about it because I don't want to spoil anything else. But 
there are some parts that they got to me um whether i'm just a, a a sappy sucker but yeah so that's the tomorrow war okay then uh the other other movie feature the main movie feature is the forever purge so these movies i don't can't even remember if i've seen all the movies i know I, i'm pretty sure i talked about the first purge when that came out because i remember having like a, a freaky incident when i came home because uh, i was home alone and when i i came home there's like a light on in the back room i could see the light on i'm like holy crap i was like no one else is home that light should not be on and then it's just like is someone up there you know whatever so you can go back and figure i don't remember what episode that was but i'm not going to go through that story again so the forever purge i didn't really hear anything about this because you know i sometimes i try to avoid information about this stuff but apparently they're they're saying that this is going to be like the last the final movie whatever i'm not even sure how many there are now is this like the fifth one um yeah it's supposed to be the, the final one and i i guess it's it's supposed to be a direct sequel to 2016's uh election year and um because yeah when i was watching this like when does it take place because the last movie the first purge obviously goes back in time and all this and um i so as far as the movie i i would say that i i enjoyed the movie you know it's these these movies are kind of dumb and silly but I, I think the thing that always makes me think or whatever is you can almost see this stuff like happening for real because, you know, a lot of this stuff is is built on on uh, racism or classism, you know, because that's what really what it was about, you know, especially if you watch the first purge that it's it's supposed to be a way to wipe out, you know, it's the, the high corrupt or whatever rich and, you know, they're they're doing this for their own means, you know, because they're safe in their bunkers or whatever. So they want to wipe out the um, less appealing parts of the population or whatever. So, you know, you can kind of see that. And with this movie, there's, there's a, a, you know, more of that where there's like a big racist aspect of the movie, you know, trying to purify. Cause I mean, they're trying to purge America and trying to, you know, bring it back to what it's supposed to be and all that. And for me, you know, being Latino, um, that's what kind of scares me a bit because you know i i relate more to being an american whatever that means you know because i grew up you know i was born and raised in in the midwest and you know i always identified myself as being white even though i'm not white and so that the idea the fact that there could be someone that may look at me and see i have darker skin and then you know Thankfully, I, you know, I've, I've talked about my dealing with racism, stuff like that. I'm, I won't, you know, rehash all that stuff, but you, you can listen to that when I talked about, was it, oh, I forget the, the Michael B. Jordan, uh, Jamie Foxx, Brie Larson movie. I, I talked about uh, some stuff, but anyways, so when I, you know, you see these movies and you see just like the, the racism out there, it, it does scare me a little bit because you never know if there's going to be someone who's just extreme or unbalanced and is just like going to target me. And it's again, thankfully, thank the Lord, thank whoever, um, thank, uh, <laughs> thank, thank, I was going to say George Lucas, thank, um, thank, uh, i don't know what i'm going with thank anyone think um think loki think kevin feige that i haven't had to deal with with this stuff uh 
but it's it's kind of scary. So, anyways, what happens here? You know, we we, we see this this couple. They uh, basically make their way from Mexico to the United States, and you know they're not fully legal, which uh, that's a big aspect. Of, you know, people are like, "Oh, these illegal people coming in," blah blah blah. Even though you know they do they do the jobs that no one else wants to do. You know, do you hear all that that stuff? So they they and they do get jobs. Like you know, the 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 husband's working at a ranch, and you know he's doing a good job, and uh, you know he's like they show him he's able to calm this like incredibly fierce horse, and then his wife has a, a job. You know, she's working at a like a a butcher or whatever. So, you know, they're, they're being productive. They're doing things that, you know, people need them to do or whatever. And then the night of the purge comes up. So, you know, the, the rich ranchers, you know, they're all prepared and, you know, safe in their house with, you know, their metal protector things over the windows and doors and stuff like that. But then as you can figure out what happens uh, the next day, it's like purge is over because it's, you know, 12 hours, seven to seven. And uh, some people decide, like, nope, we're going to keep it going. And one of the things that's freaky is is uh, the immigrant, the wife, she goes to work the next day. And because, uh, you know, they, they they and it's 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 also amazing where, you know, rich people can stay home. But then the, the, the couple, they have to go somewhere else. They have to try to go someplace. You know, they, they pool their money where they get like some mercenary guards or whatever. Um, and, and at this point, we, we uh, find out that. Because you know, the the wife, she goes up on a roof at one point where there's a, a, a dude up there. He's like, oh, you should go inside or whatever. And then some cars start approaching and she grabs like a rifle and she's like, you know, looking through the scope and stuff like that. And so she has some gun skills, we find out. But uh, anyways, she goes to work the next day and, you know, she's listening to headphones because, you know, practicing her English, even though her English is really good. Uh, and the, like when she goes into work, you know, she by her locker and like the TV screens on the news and people are, they're talking about like cleaning up the streets after the purge. So this movie isn't really about the actual purge. You know, it, it's just kind of glossed over. We see like, just short little glimpses of it, but then it's like, okay, now the streets need to be cleaned and you know, all this stuff like that. And then like the reporter, you know, that's talking about it, all of a sudden poof, gets shot in the head. But she misses this, and you know, because she looks away, and then she has her headphones on. So this is where it continues. And then at the rancher, there's a, yeah, at the the ranch, you know, some people show up, and you know, they want to do some things, and and that's where the the movie basically t- takes off, where several people have organized um, to continue, you know, make this stuff forever purge, and you know, it's a coordinated coordinated <laughs> attack. Which it's, these things happen, as we know. So that's where things just get get really intense because there's where do you where the heck are you gonna go? There there's nowhere that that's safe. And uh, what what it is a little cheesy where the son of the rancher he wasn't. I mean, he's racist basically, and the 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 immigrant dude confronts him later. And he's like, it's like, no, he's like, I don't hate Mexicans. He's like, but I just think, you know, we should keep to our own kind or something like that, you know, which is basically you're, you're being racist type of thing. But anyways, uh, so the, the rancher son and the immigrant, they end up having to work together because, you know, the, the, the rancher son, his wife is pregnant and everything like that. So yeah, kind of, it's a little cheesy that they're forced to work together, you know, brothers in arms and all that. 
But it, it is also like a good lesson in a way. And, you know, he has to learn things a hard way about, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, you, you, you can trust people regardless of the color of their skin or whatever. And you may depend on them. And so, you know, you have, have these different aspects and stuff like that. So with that, um, like I said, there, there's a, there's just some interesting moments. And then what it comes down to, it's like the whole, this is happening all over the whole country. So it's not just in Texas. And, it gets so bad that like Canada and Mexico are like, okay, we're going to open our borders for six hours. And, you know, if you want to escape all this, you can come and, you know, until everything's sorted out and, you know, we'll welcome in here. So that's a funny thing is, you know, all these people who are like high and mighty in America's number one. And, you know, I love America. I love this country to live in. It has hella problems. It has so, and I never say hella. It has so many problems. <laughs> but, you know, I, I do love where I live. And but it's so you but you have these other people who are so patriotic or whatever you know we're number one and then you got these people's like they have to escape to you know Canada or Mexico in order to be safe so I that's the, the big irony of it and everything like that but um, the one thing I, I don't like is this one there's this one um, revolutionary whatever perjure that kind of targets the group. And then they like get away at one point, and then he's like still trying. It's like there's no way he could follow them or find them again, and it just continues. That and that's that's the one thing of this cheesy movie that really bothers me. Like this guy's vendetta that he's you know it's it's created just to make a bigger conflict. You know, on top of just a, a trying to survive, it was just it, it got to be too much. It's just like this is just ridiculous. It, it, you know, it's he's able to follow him and amongst all these people trying to escape and survive and he's still able to track them and but other than that it, it was a it was a good movie you know there's there's gruesome deaths and stuff like that which would you know have all that but then that and the silly thing is uh, that's all i'm gonna say about the movie i always get a little freaked out with these movies and i don't know maybe it's from the last one because um, i think these are the only two movies i've seen in a the theater i don't think i've seen any other ones in theater um but as as i'm watching the credits because i had no idea is like is there gonna be a mid-credit scene or anything like that and there's not um i use this app i may have mentioned before called after credits which is usually updated but when i checked it because i saw the movie thursday night it's it hadn't been updated so there was no so i was like all right i gotta say till the end just in case but as i'm sitting through the, the credits i'm just kind of like what if while I'm sitting here in a theater, a purge actually started outside and I'm just oblivious because I've been sitting in theater for an hour and 45 minutes or whatever, which is just silly because there'd probably be an alert on my phone or something, you know, even if I had on Do Not Disturb. And so <laughs> then I, I leave the theater and there's like no one outside. And yeah, it was a Thursday night, but it's like, come on, you know, quarantine's over, right? And then, you know, so many people not wearing their masks. It's like, where is everyone? There's like no one. And then as I'm walking to the parking garage, I hear like some motorcycles. I I, I did a like a Instagram story with just to be stupid and silly. But it's like I hear motorcycles off in the distance because like there's a part in the movie where there, these, you know, some of the purgers are on motorcycles and stuff like that. Because, you know, it's it's you have more maneuverability in motorcycles than, you know, in cars or whatever. So I'm just like, where is everyone? And I, I go to the parking garage. The parking garage is like empty. It's like, where, why, how is my car like the only one, you know, like one of the only cars here? 
and it was fine. I got home. You know, there, there's no problem. Obviously, I'm still here. but it, that's the thing. You know, it's, it's it's kind of that's what I, I like about the movie. That it's like I kind of take it with, even though it's like totally ridiculous. I knew absolutely nothing was going on, but I like that little tiny stupid insecure feeling in the back of your mind. You're like, what if this? You know, it's it's not like. You know, if I were to see the, the the forever or the forever the Tomorrow War in a theater, which I didn't, it's not like I'm gonna be like, what if you know I get drafted the next day, you know, tomorrow? It's like whatever. So that's the thing. Um, will there is this really gonna be the last movie? I mean, I I find that hard to believe. It it when the movie ends, obviously things are not resolved. I mean, the the country is still a huge mess, and there's still a lot that needs to be done. Uh, so they, they could try to go back and address that. I don't know how that would be as a movie. What, you know, if that could be if there's any sort of, you know, story to be told there, it does kind of feel like they can't really do another purge because this, um, this kind of shows that the purge doesn't really work, that people that just took it too far. And, you know, cause the whole idea is the purge is supposed to allow people to get this out of their system and stuff like that. And obviously, it it may be um, adding the creating more bad behavior than trying to get rid of it or whatever. So we'll see. I, I have a feeling like that we will see another one at some point because I can't see them. I, I mean, of course, it's going to depend on how how this this movie does. It only had an eighteen million dollar budget, and it, it probably um, will make that in the first weekend at least. So. I, I feel like we're going to see some something else at some point. I never saw the TV show. I have no idea how the show was. Um, I don't even know what was it uh, USA or something like that. But I have a feeling like we'll we'll see more. But um, yeah, the, I, don't, I don't maybe not because it's like I don't know you know what more to, you can't just do another purge because this is showing they don't work. But anyways, I'm just repeating myself. So I'm going to end it there. That's going to be this week's episode so big thanks to david mcphail and andrew loken they are big supporters of the show you can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gman from heck any amount you can commit to will be awesome and if you commit at the rick jones tier or higher you get access to the secret podcast from heck which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week i am currently talking about the cg resident evil movies because the netflix cg series is starting this week i think so um you can hear about those and then after that, I'll, I don't know. I may talk about another. I don't know if I'll. Maybe I'll do a. Com- I don't know what I'm going to do the following week, but um, I sometimes talk about comics and other movies and older movies and everything like that. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gman from heck and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or four. That is ko fi.com slash gman from heck. I think I got that right. So um, what is going to be next week? I am super excited. Next week's main feature, I don't care what else comes out, the main feature is going to be Black Widow. Uh, I'm super excited to see that. I've been waiting and waiting to, to see that. Um, I even uh, I even did some digital art um, for the movie that I will post on Saturday. Um, I, I'm, I'm, as I record this, I'm like... 98% done with it. I'm, I'm really happy. It took me a while and whatever, what, I shouldn't get it. Who cares? Right. Um, but there's gonna be that, uh, the resident evil. So infinite darkness is on, uh, Thursday, the, the eighth that comes out. And I feel like there was something else that's see, I always think that, that I never know. Um, but yeah, so those are definitely be next week's, 
um, podcast. Superman and Lois won't be on. I think that's back on the 13th. So that's going to be um, off for a couple weeks. So, um, yeah, so these are being slightly more more compact. Um, I think there is a, another Fear Street. I don't know if I'll get to that in time for next week. Um, I may not be able to. That might have to be the following week. I have I have a very uh, tight week coming up. I'm just going to give you a warning. But I am guaranteed. I want to make sure I will definitely get an episode done. And it will be like almost regular length. Uh, so, so I may have to do Fear Street the following week. Um, but other than that, I hope you are enjoying your summer. Hope you're having a good time. And make sure you know. I hope there's no purges going on wherever you're at. And um, don't don't partake in the, the purges. They're they're not good. Uh, it, it's it's not going to solve any problems. But I hope you're you're doing fine. I hope you are safe. I hope you are vaccinated. If you and if you don't believe in that, I'm not going to try to twist your arm, but I I in my opinion, it's uh, the thing to do. I am still wearing my mask. Um I I, I find it very weird walking out. I I'll admit I did walk from my car when I went to the theater, from my car to the theater with the mask in my hand and seeing other people without masks is just weird. But as soon as I got in the theater, I put the mask on, even though you don't have to in the mask. It just says, if you're not vaccinated, wear a mask. But I was like, I don't care. I'm going to wear the mask. It's just, it, it's also for other people's sake, not just my sake. You know, it's, it's more for whatever. So um, get, get vaccinated because, you know, there's variants out there. And, and even if you're vaccinated, you read the news. You're not listening to this podcast because I don't have the all the the vax or whatever covid delta information don't don't get your your delta news from me uh but just stay safe okay i i care about you so stay safe make sure your friends your families are are safe and make sure you remember to be good to each other